Well, nerds, in the time of COVID, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. We're bundled up now waiting for the end of Trump's raving, but the meteor men beg to differ this week, judging by the hole made by our voting signatures. Hey, now, Biden's the next president and only shooting stars go over the moon. Welcome to the 216th episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I'm Sparks Witty. I'm joined by Ryan Eliopoulos. It's a good week here where I live in this state. Uh, Brandon T. McClure. It's definitely a good week in this state for sure. And Ben Magnet. I was partying in spirit. I wasn't actually partying in spirit. Like the second Death Star blew up because you about to lose your job. He's about to lose his job. Get I mean, the out of the White House. He bleeped himself. I appreciate it. I mean, I've. I mean, my job doesn't come back with his job leaving. So you know. No, I, I know that sucks, but we. Hey, we can. Hey, we can still be positive. But, We're allowed to be positive but, this week. Let us be positive. But yes. A lot of unemployment aid probably comes your way with him losing his job. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All positive this week, baby. Got to be positive. Well, except for our first news item. But yes, otherwise yes. that. Yeah. Hey, guys, it was, uh, you know, politics. Uh, election week happened. Uh, uh, yeah, it did. Elections in America ever. And My... it's kind of happening. It's, yeah, a little bit. My favorite meme was the Groundhog's Day. It's election day again. Uh. If you've listened to our podcast before, you know what side we're on. You know, oh, yeah. we have Joe Jorgensen. Uh, we're yeah, Kanye West. Uh, uh, we're pretty, we're pretty stoked right now. Um, it's good times. This, this all, what, what I thought was going to be a very stressful, painful week turned out to be much. Better. Yeah, no, we got live comments. Baby, bam, bam. And, and before, oh, oh. hey Titus, how's it going, oh, buddy? Hey Titus says hello, everyone. I made a shout out video today, like never done before. Oh, we, we will we will check that out. Thank you, sir. I kind of love it. Yeah, I feel like all four of us know that even though that Joe Biden wasn't our first choice for the office of president of the United States, we know that just because he got elected, everything it's obvious that all of our problems aren't going to change overnight. We just know that now there's going to be a better person, a better decent human being in the damn office. It's what I told. It's what I told my mother. The mm-hmm. the, the the fight doesn't end with getting Biden into the, into the nope. office. It begins, and now we have a starting point. Yeah, on even on my Facebook, I've shared some things about. I shared um, art. I even said, it's "Like, look, even when he does take the office, the work isn't over. The work has will still keep going. The work just begins forever and ever." I just I so. can't believe how much of the world celebrated right. That was so crazy. You have to have been oh. such a bad president. And I just say, "Cheers, everyone." He's out. No. Hold up. Mm-mm. Not sponsored by Carl's Jr. No, hold up. Vamp for five minutes. I'll be right back. Hmm? Is that a regular root beer? Yeah, it's, you yeah. know. Good, good, good. Zero sugar root beer. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Spicy Not spicy today. enough for Biden, I guess. Uh, because Ben left. Uh, let's let's get into our week. Sure, Ben, go first. We'll wait. Okay, mm. Ben. Dodgers. Uh, are we really doing this? <laughs> awesome, Titus. Oh, Kay Titus says I'm a Republican, but I voted for Biden. I appreciate that you voted at all. That's important. Yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, like I just want people to vote, even if I don't agree with them. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna get my week started because I want Ben to be here for our actual conversations. <laughs> no, he's Hi, there. Hi, Ben. He's just drinking a root beer. You know, you didn't have to go and nope. get. I, I know. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to one up Sparks. He's right. This is time for celebration. I gotta crack that shit open. Please crack drink it responsibly. Yeah, please drink responsibly. Please he drink anywhere. It's COVID. That's true. Ben, while you're cracking shit open, why don't you crack open your week? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bro. I really want you to just fall out of screen. 
Did you guys see the evangelical the 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 evangelical the televangelist who was um who was Copeland? Yeah. He was like the media called ha ha ha. I was like, whoa. I want to combine him and that. uh, Is it Nikki Haley, the the Rita Repulsa lady? Oh, geez. Was that Nikki Haley? I don't. I don't remember who it is. I don't remember. Into a into a. Oh oh. Oh, right. you're not talking about the actual. You're you're talking no, no. about who's like the lady who's like the best is Yanduka. Yeah, yeah. I have no. Peter yeah. Pulse was a good a good uh, yeah. image. Yeah. But anyways, you know what? Gentlemen. You know what? Virtual cheers first. Oh. Virtual cheers. I already did mine. You know to what? Democracy. <laughs> to democracy. Uh, she was right. The best was yet to come. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, you. That's enough politics. Let's get into our week. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's. Uh, that was that was my week. The uh, I woke up. I I already voted. I voted on. I put my vote in on the twentieth of October. I uh I did my shit early. And uh, oh damn, you just got everyone see that thing from uh Titus right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were gone, Ben. We you talked about. It. Sorry, I was <laughs> getting my delicious adult beverage. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, frack was. Uh, don't drink and then say <laughs> you're you're weak. Did you do uh, anything that didn't involve moving or the election? Did you do any? Did you consume any media this week that you want to shout out? Unfortunately, not really. Um, it was it was. Um, the one thing I did do was yesterday I streamed a little bit on Twitch for a hot second. I was playing with Sparks and our friend Pi, oh. and um, we played a little bit of Fall Guys, which I need to talk to Ryan about because I need to figure out how to save my damn uh, Twitch streams. Which for some reason I, I can't do that on my phone. No, you gotta go to. The, you gotta use the internet. You can need. Yeah. If you want to be a, a, a streamer, Ben, you need a computer. Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to well, be a streamer, you gotta have a computer. computer. I, mean, luckily, I mean, luckily, once I get all moved in, I'll have a better setup. Uh, besides, besides that, um, so speaking of all guys, there's this one skin that I know you got, uh, Brandon and Sparks. It was the Godzilla skin that came out, and because not only was it the election, it was also Godzilla's 66th birthday. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 Happy dun. birthday, Godzilla. Happy birthday to for three more years. That's that's the one to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, I think that birthday would be nice. Pretty nice. Yeah. So um I I, w- I haven't won a single round. I was only getting crowns through the level up process. So when I went to work on Friday night, I'm thinking I'm probably not gonna get it. I mean, I had nine crowns. I just need one more crown. And I had three levels to go to get the extra five. So I'm thinking, you know what? I'm probably Wait, you had nine crowns? You don't need extra five. You well, just no, need more no, because where I was leveling up, the, ne- the next crown, where they give you free crowns, it was five extra crowns. Right. But even though I only needed the one, I thought, all right, it's going to take too long for me just to level up. And I have, I've lost every single damn final I've been in. So I'm like, you know what? I might not just get it. Some people just be like, oh, why don't you just get the, the half you like? It's like, yeah, but then it's, I don't want that though. Although there have been some cool mismatches of, of Godzilla breaking out an egg or something, but so I'm at work and I and it's the end it's close to the end of the night, and then I check my phone, Fanny won me the last crown. Nice. So Fanny won her first round of fall guys and she got me the Godzilla suit. So thank you, honey. That's amazing. I, uh, I I'll bounce off of that if you don't mind. Go I'll go ahead. I know I was, <laughs> yeah, because I was I was also working pretty hard to get the Godzilla skin. I really wanted it. Uh, and I'm really, I, I can get to the final level of Fall Guys, but I can never win. So I was going to be, I was going to level up. I was going to be one crown short. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to paint this day with a little bit of context. 
this was Tuesday election day. Yes. And Brandon had texted me and he was already pretty upset because he'd been doing a lot of Fall Guys by himself and he's heading into election day and he's like, can you play some Fall Guys with me? And I had a midterm due the next day and I'm like, you know what? Let's just do Fall Guys because I don't want to <laughs> think about my midterm. I don't want to think about the election. So we spent hours playing Fall Guys. I was playing it for three days and I texted, I texted Sparks and I was like, I'm really starting to hate Fall Guys. Like I'm leveling up, but it's such a grind because it because you know if you die the first round you get a little bit of points, and yeah. so like so on Tuesday I just texted I was like, look I'm gonna be doing this all day if anyone wants to hop on uh, I'd appreciate it and and Sparks Sparks hopped on so we played it for hours and hours and we were leveling up and we were doing the thing and Sparks would help me if we were on the final level like we, he would help me uh, try to try to win one because I just needed to win one so I didn't have to level up to level twenty six. Um, and then uh, and on that day, I bought the top half of Godzilla and looks great. And uh, we're doing the last round. This was the last round. Four days of just playing Fall Guys straight, guys. Four days. And I'm, <laughs> we're doing it. Sparks, well, it's just me, Sparks, and one other dude. And Sparks goes to hold the dude to stop him from winning. And it doesn't work. And Sparks gets thrown off the platform. And it's just me and this dude. I'm like, this is it. I'm done. This, this is... I was so close, and that dude gets put this kicked off the ledge, and I win, and it was the happiest moment of my I life. Heard that. I think I heard that scream from upstairs. Yeah, <laughs> well, sure. I was like, "Oh, that sounds like a victory!" Yeah, because we I had just... it was it was Megan was working at home here, but she was sitting on the couch, and so she's watching and also keeping Brandon and I informed of how voting's going up to that point. <laughs> And and Brandon's coming through the TV audio wise, so we all just are like cheering when Brandon wins. It was good to celebrate something on a day when we were afraid we weren't going to be able to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I cannot tell you how many people, including some supervisors at work, while I was at work, they were checking their phones just to see what was going on. People were rushing. Right. Yeah, people were rushing in. But I have to say, one huge thing about this, as as stressful and as anxiety filled this election was. The memes were the best. I so blessed be the memes. Blessed be them. I was cackling in my break room when I saw the Dragon Ball Z fight meme. Yeah, that was good. Of uh freaking Biden as young go as Gohan, Obama as Goku, and Trump yeah. as perfect cell. It was the I was people were staring at me while I was watching this on my phone because I was laughing so damn loud. Can I can I real quickly? Jump back to politics for a second. Um, I am so happy to be wrong. I've never been more happy in my life to be wrong about something. Four years ago, four years ago, I said that unless we defeat the problems that allowed him to be elected, we would see another term. We'd Mm -hmm. see it. And I did not believe that Biden was the person to do it. I didn't. I was not, I was not confident in Biden's, uh, Biden's resolve to beat him. Uh, and when I when I woke up on Friday or Saturday and he had passed the 270, uh, I have never been more happy to be wrong about something. Yeah. It's never nice. in my life. No, it's so true. Uh, and, and speaking to the memes that Ben's, Ben brings up, I know there's been a moment, but I can't think of it in recent memory where I felt like so much of our country was in tandem on the internet just kind of all so you're all staying awake tonight to see what happens right (laughs) hey here's some self-love we're not finding out the answers tonight go to sleep we're gonna check in tomorrow you'll know when it's over twitter yeah oh god i couldn't sleep on tuesday night i woke up at five in the morning tuesday i would have been at three so because of the fall guys thing i was up uh 
until Wednesday night at midnight the next night when my midterm was due. So I stayed just straight up through election day all through the night. I saw Trump come out at 1 a.m. and do his stupid press conference. Uh, I saw all of it unfold over the next uh, because I just had the Twitch stream going while I'm working on the midterm. And I'm like, oh, my. Oh my lord! <laughs> Election day was its own event. So, oh my stars! Oh, oh, oh stars! So I have to give a little bit of a shout out to a friend of the show, Jen, the key thief. Uh, bless that oh, one. Bless her. Just, just all the blessings to her. Because I mean, a, I mean, obviously, Alicia, I posted on Twitter um, that her, her, her drawing of me saying, "Don't be a dick." And at the same time, I was constantly looking. I, I wasn't constantly, but I was scrolling through Twitter like four o'clock in the morning on Thursday night, I believe. And she's like, they took Pen. I'm not sleeping until they take Pennsylvania. I'm yeah. not sleeping until they take Georgia, until he gets delayed in Georgia. The relief I felt when I saw that Pennsylvania and Georgia were going to turn blue. Man. Oh man. God, the, what the, it will always be ingrained in my mind. The, the, once again, another meme, the end game meme with Trump as Thanos, Biden as Captain America. And then Al- little, that one's a little too much. Yeah, yeah but, it's a little too much. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll even go. I'll even go so far as be like, I don't. The one where they're, that one. The, where they're literally putting the faces on, because I like the one where they were doing the the states. The no, states. Oh, oh, no. The states. but I where Sean one. Connery shows up, like okay, yeah, that, 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 that one was too much. But I did, I did like how it was funny though. how Lindsay Ellis was like each one reveal is somehow more insane and more buffoonerish and entertaining yeah. as it goes, and I'm like, it's pretty true. It does get absolutely increasingly ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. Anyway, so Ben, that was all you did this week. So I I didn't do much, unfortunately. Okay. I, I, I was glued to the thing. I was the only other thing besides that was my World Series Dodgers gear. My hat and my shirt came in. My hat's back there. Congratulations. And but uh, uh, a bigger victory was won this week. I feel for the United States of America. So okay, so uh, Sparks Ryan, which one? You bet. How about you, Brandon? Okay. Did you want to say you, bitch? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I don't have a lot because uh, this week Zara came back. Um, so I spent most of my time with her. Uh, I haven't seen her in a month, in about a month. So um, she brought back the dogs. And uh, and so that's, that's been nice. So we watched a lot of stuff together. Um, we watched Halloween Town when she came back. Oh, hello, Mag. Hey, you. Hi, Mag. Hey, you. Um, we watched Halloween Town because we didn't get to watch any Halloween movies over the over the break uh, over October because she was gone, uh, and I ain't doing that on my own. Um, so we watched Halloween Town, which is a, uh, a nostalgic classic for me. Uh, but boy, that acting is bad. And that transfer, I'm gonna say it, that that transfer to uh, a, a a a widescreen 16 by 9 transfer is atrocious because it was clearly shot in four by three because it's a tv movie yeah um so transferring it to, to 16 by 9 is just so bad with the like people's heads and chins are cut off every everybody knows halloween 2 is the true masterpiece gem of the of the franchise hell yeah calabar's revenge um i watched the uh, <laughs> sparks Cal. did not join us actually did not join us for uh, movie night this week no uh i uh megan and i both did not um because i was finishing my midterm that night yeah. uh so no i did not <laughs> but we watched it on that movie night we watched a movie called holiday uh it's a new netflix original holiday movie about um 
Emma Roberts uh, hooking up with this Australian guy. Every hol- every holiday and spoiler alert, it's a romantic comedy. They fall in love. Um, that's an hour and 44 minutes. It feels like two and a half. So that's <laughs> because it's just a series of vignettes. So it just it's like, here's the start of the scene. Here's the end of the scene. Start, sit. And it's just like skits. And I feel like if you had just pared down the holidays, it would have been a more cohesive film. Otherwise, I honestly thought it was hilarious. Nobody else in our group did. <laughs> um, so don't take my word for it. I thought it was really funny, though. Um, I talked about Fall Guys. I did the Godzilla for Fall Guys. Uh, I beat. Nope. I beat it. No, I finished the West Wing. Man, you beat the shit out of that West Wing. Didn't I you? beat the shit out of the West Wing. That's, you that's the West Wing eating it. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, uh, I mean, how many seasons was West Wing again? Seven. seven. And that's twenty-two episodes per season, right? Yeah. Oh, you beat the shit out of it, dude. So I almost quit after season during season six because of how bad season five and six were. Uh, season one through four is incredible. Like the, some of the Aaron Sorkin's best writing. Uh, Martin Sheen is an incredible actor. Uh, all the actors are just so good. And, but I wanted to stick through it through season five and six, because I knew that season seven, uh, John Spencer, who plays Leo McGarry, who is the president's chief of staff, his childhood's best, his childhood best friend, uh, Sterling K Brown in the new, in the new special, which is weird. Um, but they, uh, but he dies during the filming of that season and he's running for vice president. So he's a big part of that season. Wait, we have a visitor. Oh, we from the Mandalorian. Thank you. Thank you. This is the way. Thank you, Mandalorian. Bye. Check out of, Fake Nerds Watch. Speaking of Fake Nerds Watch, Mandalorian uh, season two is in the description below. Um, so uh, I knew that, I knew two things about season seven. One, that John Spencer dies. And two, that Bradley Whitford gets together with the, on a, the girl that he's been flirting with for seven years. Mm. Um, Donna Moss is secretary turned rival campaign advisor. And then there, and so I wanted to see those two events, how they handled those two events. The first event, which is John Spencer's passing, is handled very well. Uh, the character Leo McGarry dies on election day when uh, he and Jimmy Smith win the election to be president and vice president. Uh, Jimmy Smith uh, in the show becomes the first uh, 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 Latino Mexican president, Latino president. Um, and he's running as a Democrat. Um, and Alan Alda thinks. Um, Mandalorian, we don't have time for a conversation, sir. But we are doing fine. <laughs> we're, do, we're doing pretty well, Mando. We're doing pretty we're doing well. Fine. Um, and Bradley Whit, and then the other moment is just so sweet because you've been watching the, these two, these couple relationship uh, relationships move through the series, uh, and you're always kind of rooting for them, and they finally get together, and it's such a great moment to see if you're if you like that sort of thing, which I do. Um, throughout the show, the acting is great. Uh, in fact, the acting a lot of times saves it. Uh, all in all, because it ended so strong, I actually am going to change my opinion and think, say it's, it's a solid show. Uh, if you can power through five and six, which I understand is a uh, is a chore because of 22 episodes for those seasons, um, there's still good performances, but season seven more than makes up for, for the mistakes of that season. Cool. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I finished Love Life on HBO Max with Anna Kendrick. Uh, that's her, her streaming show. It's good. It's cute. Cute little thing. Not really a whole lot to say about that. Okay. I finished, we finished Sparks God of High School. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, we finished God of High School this week. And uh, is he the God of college now? Uh, nope. Nope. 
<laughs> um, but he is, he is very blatantly the Monkey King um, in that episode. Uh, they they hold nothing back about tying the direct allusions to that. Um, the animation, choreography by choreography and music is incredible. Yeah. Uh, everything we've said about the show in previous episodes up to this point holds uh, that the show just kind of like doesn't know how to translate what it what it's trying to be or or how its world really functions or uh, it, mm, balance its characters properly. Yeah, um, the final fight is meant to be super emotionally charged, but I don't care because those characters haven't interacted before now, uh, not at least in any significant way. I mean, I cared about the the transformation that the main character goes through in like uncovering his past. But other than that, yeah. like, but I don't understand what it means in the context of that fight. No, well, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything in the context of that fight, except it means he can win. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Hopefully next season's better. Maybe I'll watch it. Um, it's dubbed on HBO max. I started a show called grace and Frankie. I, uh, I needed a show to kind of just put on the background uh, while I work. Um, and this is Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Martin Sheen, and Sam Sam Waterston. Uh, all four of which have been in Aaron Sorkin projects, the newsroom West Wing, um, which was really funny. Uh, the show, for those of you who don't know, I think all of us here know what it's about. Uh, Martin Sheen and uh, Sam Waterston are lifelong business partners who turned who turned gay lovers. And they're married to and they're married to Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, and they leave them to marry each other uh, because after forty years, uh, after forty years of business partnership and twenty years of a of a secret uh, gay relationship, they decide that they want to be out and proud and and marry each other and be there for each other. It's really sweet. Um, Martin Sheen is having a blast, and it's really fun to watch him now post West Wing. So far after West Wing, just kind of be gay, and he's having such a good time with it. Um, and I, I I think it's fun because of Martin Sheen and Sam Waterston. Uh, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin are still, still doing great performances, but uh, I watch it for the uh, for how much fun not, the guys are having. Not for Grace and Frankie. No, unfortunately not, but I like them still. Um, so so I'll report back the more I watch that show. I'm only in the first season. I finished, started and finished with Zara Haunting of Hill House. Uh, I obviously had never seen it before, so I've been hearing a lot of hype for years obviously blind manor just came out so i wanted to watch haunting of hill house that show's spooky sure is uh multiple times my body has made a noise that it's never made before because mm. <laughs> there's a moment there's many moments that just like smash cut to something scary and i just <laughs> flip a blanket over me <laughs> i got so scared uh yeah that was very scary uh, a very scary watch. Very good watch. Um, I don't quite think it, think it nails the ending. Uh, even though I do think it nails the emotional ending of its main characters. I don't think it nails the the kind of like the, the, the ending of the house. I don't think the house comes to a, a, to a perfect ending. But other than that, I think the show is really solid and really great. Uh, I kind of get what you, I, I don't want to talk about it here, but I would be interested to talk to you about that at some point because I think, I think maybe what you're alluding to, I think I interpret it as intentional, but I we'll talk about it some other time. Sure, definitely. Um, other in no way impedes how I feel about the whole show, uh, the show as a whole. I still think the performances are incredible. Uh, Grace McKenna, um, who I I really like, uh, even though I never seeing the show, which is arguably where she got her big start. Um, I I really really like that show. 
Yeah. And then just today we started Haunting of Bly Manor, which is uh, also very good. Oi. What? Just did you just watch one episode? Two. Two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're probably gonna pass us uh, <laughs> at the rate you'll be able to go. Uh, Zara, Zara wanted to watch it, and and uh, I didn't want to rewatch Hill House quite yet. Uh, I'm getting there, but uh, not his Hill House. His house. His house. His house. His house. Uh, I'm getting there, but I wanted to watch something else, and she wanted to watch something spooky. So we did Hill House, and now Bly Manor. Um, I'm really happy to see that Bly Manor, the the girl who plays Nell from uh, Hill House, gets a bigger role in Bly Manor. Really happy to see that. Yeah, um, all, those, all those people come back in, in different ways. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, Hill House, by the way, I do want to point out, and I'm sure it's been pointed out to death. The single take episode is uh, one of the greatest technological, one of the greatest filmmaking achievements I've ever seen. That is an incredible episode. That's only until the end, just three cuts. Yeah, right. Uh, that was so cool how they handled that, how they did that. We just agreed. Call, we that call was a that great episode. Theater. Um, there is a equally impressive for different technical reasons episode that we just watched this week. Nice. Um, so yeah, I've only seen two episodes of Bly Manor. Uh, really good, really spooky. So far, the ghosts, the background ghosts seem to be more important than the background ghosts were in Hill House, uh, which was an interesting choice, and I can't wait to see where those go. Uh, I will say, how many episodes have you watched? Five. Five? Okay. Um, I will I will say, uh, like, no spoilers, like, I don't think this show is nearly as scary. Like, not, no. not even close. Uh, but I'm that's okay not with that. No, yeah, and that's that's fine. Like it's going for something different, and it's definitely more like like gothic drama, which it's all the character stuff is is so good, top notch. Yeah, top um, notch character stuff, and I'm like, that's all I need. It yeah. doesn't need to be because it's still 100 percent scary, scary. Yeah. I am I am okay with that. As broken as my voice is from watching Hill House, I am okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Uh, okay, that's my week. Awesome. I'll go, I suppose. Wait, well, so wait, real quick, sorry. There's stuff no, no. in the description below. We got Animal Crossing down in the description and our basement, our basement arcade Animal Crossing and our Mandalorian figures watch description. Oh, yeah. You're that Mandalorian? Yeah. It's you. Also, he called us younglings. How old are you, dude? <laughs> oh, younglings. I, know, but I, younglings. Yeah. I'm okay with him calling me a youngling. I'm, I'm totally fine uh, with it. Uh, yeah, we did we did uh, get our Fake Nerds Watch Mandalorian video up today. That is episodes one and two of the new season, chapters nine and ten. Bing bong. Heck Yeah. So that's going into my week. Uh, I watched two episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh, we have a fake nerds watch on that, as we said ten times. But spoiler alert: I think that show is radical this season. So um, I rewatched the first episode this morning. I came down and I heard like, <laughs> "Yo, is that a great dragon again?" <laughs> uh, still looks good. Second time, I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Um, so let's start with my Warhammer uh, 40k rabbit hole that I've sunk my face into. So uh, I've always been a fan of Warhammer, but but just these last couple months, uh, mostly because of Humble, Humble Bundle, I've gotten a bunch of books and audiobooks, and uh, I've had a bunch of games on Steam for years. Actually, I played a game that I haven't played since 2013, and seeing that, I was like, wow, man, time's crazy. Um, so the first thing I'll talk about is Warhammer 40,000, Perdition's Flame, which is an hour-long horror story about a deserter stuck on a ghost ship. And guys, it's awesome. Um, so in it's it's impossible to talk about some of the stuff without just going into some of the lore because th there are very few universes that are so completely different than ours. Like, you know, you go to like, like a Star Trek, like you recognize stuff from humanity. Warhammer is so, so into the future. Shit just is, is unbelievable, right? Um, 
But the Imperial Guard, who are not the Space Marines, who are used to saying the Space Marines are the giant hulking space armor guys, they make up the, like, they're the Master Chiefs, but the army is still made up by regular dudes, the Imperial Guardsmen, and they are basically the Russian allegory of, of Russian uh, commissars and Russian uh, comrades and, like, togetherness and fighting in groups of many. But this one guy deserted because he hated his friends and he didn't want to die. And he ended up on a ghost ship and his past is coming to haunt him. Also, there's an Inquisitor there who hunts demons who might have something that is causing the ship to be haunted by ghosts. But she's like, you can't come near this thing or I'll kill you. So there's a lot of drama. It's really well acted. Uh, it's a great audio drama. You know, it's much like uh, Templar, which we talked about last week. Um, it's fully performed, you know, the steps and the music and uh and it actually really spooked me. And I was like 15 minutes in before I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then something happened. Uh, and it did like a music sting when something scary happened. And I was in my bed and I got a chill. And I was like, oh shit, you guys. It's <laughs> awesome. That's what I look, that's what I love about horror stuff. Like when you can do that effectively, uh, it's great. And then it just gets spookier and spookier. And it ends on like a oh, what was what was real the whole time? And I'm like, I love you. Thank you, Warhammer. So I listen to that. It's fantastic. I love it. I played two more hours of Space Marine. That's the uh, the third-person shooter Gears of War-esque game. That game's still really fun. Um, I'm almost done with that. I got two more chapters. Uh, this is a nice, a nice six-hour shoot-em-up. Real fun. Um, Dawn of War is a game that came out in 2004, and it is a real-time strategy game, much like StarCraft or WarCraft. You know, you build a base, you build different bases, different armies, stuff like that. Uh, since then, the modding community... Uh, because Dawn of War is like is like the 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 best quote unquote the best uh, Warhammer game for fans. So for 16 years that game has been modded to hell. And so I downloaded like 15 years worth of mods that turned that game into a a a like a 40 person squad into a 400 person squad. And the map size literally doubles in scope. And and because I have a nice, sweet computer, I can literally have 500 units on screen with these giant kaiju-esque titans stomping over them. And I'm like, this is Warhammer, baby. This is why people play that tabletop game. Um, and it just you know, took a while for the games to get here. Uh, they just need to make a new one. That's all you got to do. They just make a new one, baby. Uh, but that's it. Guys, Warhammer's so great. I'm so into the hole. It hurts. There's a new issue coming out, I think, next week. Uh, very excited. Um, let's see. I played a game called Hades. Hades is probably going to be many people's game of the year this year. Uh, that is a roguelike game where, um, if you don't know what roguelike means, it is a procedurally generated game. So every time you die, the map changes around you. Um, but it is all Greek mythology inspired, and you are the son of Hades trying to escape, and you're getting help from the Greek gods. Um, and it is a procedurally generated game that actually has a really good story. And I don't normally like these types of games because they're games that, uh, because everything is procedurally made, you can't really have a story to it. But the structure of Tartarus, of, of, of Hades placed Tartarus, it... it uh, it is a prison, so it reforms itself on purpose. So it actually has a story reason for it to be different when you die. And the gods, every time you die, keep telling, like, hey, man, you died this way. Or, like, if you get killed by a certain enemy, it's like, yo, it's crazy he got shot by that skeleton, but maybe this will help you. And it's just, it's super dynamic. Uh, and it just, the writing is so good, and the characters are so so hot, and it's just so fun. Um, it's a really, really fun game. It's only, like, 15, 20 bucks. I think, Ben, you would really like it. It's definitely one of those, like, retro type of games. That's super fun. Um, you'd probably like it too. You played Dead Cells. Uh, so uh, friends of ours who we do anime night with and movie night with, uh, they're already playing Hades. And so I was watching with them on yeah. stream earlier this week before we did uh, God of High School. I think, Brandon, you were watching Hades play as well. There you go. Um, and so we were talking to them about it. And both of them have gotten like hardcore sucked into this game. I almost got it when it was on the October sale. So did our buddy Travis. Yeah, and uh, we it. both forgot. 
to purchase it. And so we're like, okay, well, we might get it at a later date. And I'm holding off now because I might get it for Switch instead. Yeah. Uh, because it seems like a game that maybe Megan would enjoy pl playing. And mm -hmm. it, that's more, more likely to happen on the Switch Absolutely. than on my computer. And that's a game where um, it is entirely run-based. We're like, it's not like a, like, like a you know, a... a, a left for dead or last of us where you like it's a narrative story like you go as far as you make it and then you die and you restart and then when you go through the map everything's different again um so that just makes it really fun to just jump in and do one run or do like 10. um so i'll beat that eventually i'm sure um i didn't get very far into it um last thing i gonna talk about is all the comics i read uh i got many more than this but i'm only gonna talk about the ones i read um Lonely Receiver continues to be a really great book about um, relationships and technology. I'm not going to go into it too much, but that's still a a terrific uh, a terrific book. This issue was all about denial and like um, this lady was in a relationship with an AI, and she's convinced that the new person that she's dating is that AI trying to trick her, and it's not. And she's just in denial, and it's super it's super rough, and it's like the art is so beautiful, and it's just such a weird book. And it's just again, it's a book that I really appreciate to even getting made. Um, Wolverine, Black, uh, White, and Blood. Uh, just a really stellar piece of art, you guys. Like, uh, um, It's just all flashback stuff like, oh, Wolverine hanging out with Nick Fury, Wolverine killing Hydra agents. But the art is insane. It is truly insane. And anytime there's ever blood, that's the only time there's red on the thing. That's why it's Black, White, and Blood. Uh, very cool. Uh, not necessary for the Xbox, but it's just a good piece of art. Um, Deceased Dead Planet. God damn it, you guys. Tom Taylor's a good writer. I can't handle it. He does things with characters. Like, he gives characters, like, evolutions and, like, certain characters who aren't part of the Shazam family now become part of the Shazam family. It's so cool. I love it. Um, Web, of Web of Venom, colon, Empire's End. Uh, did you pick us up by any chance? I did, but I haven't read it. That's fine. No, yeah, yeah. I, I, have, not, I have not read it either, but I picked it up. Okay. Um, that's, that's just a, a one-shot about uh, a bunch of aliens dealing with Null. That's, it's, it's just a nice little one-shot. Uh, it's not... It's not super important, but it's like the 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 pre-invasion attack. The tease. The tease. Like have, every single uh, uh, event has one of these types of events. Yeah, I, I have had uh, I have picked up every Web of Venom series, and even if they don't seem important at the time, they tend to become very important later on. Yeah, uh, and the art was very very good. It's it's not Donny Cates, uh, uh, but it's it's still a pretty a pretty good book. Um, <laughs> X of Swords uh, that had two awesome issues. Um, that book still is still coming out, guys. Got like eight more issues. Um, the last book I want to talk about, guys, and I'm I'm shocked to say I'm disappointed in it. It's called Crossover. It's a new Donna Cates book. Did you guys, did anyone read Crossover yet? I picked it up, but I've honestly heard nothing about good things. Oh, uh, I have a different Twitter feed than you. Um, That's true. um, yo, guys, how do you feel about a bunch of white comic book people being the marginalized group in your comic book? Kind of sucks. I'm gonna be honest, it feels very um, it just feels like Donny Cates didn't read the room when he wrote the first issue of this comic. And it also doesn't, I don't think the, the presentation of the, of the big event of the crossover, at least in this first issue, doesn't give me enough to chew on. It's definitely a thing where like, Oh, this is going to run a hundred issues. You just got to be on board. The first issue didn't give me nearly enough for me. And also again, making like comic book fans, like the people that are hated and, and disparaged in the world just feels really odd. Um, Cause your main characters are both white people. That's mm -hmm. me. Um, but that's also the 2020 world I'm living in. Maybe if this comic came out in 1999, it'd be great. Uh, I'm gonna give it one more issue because the ending's pretty dope. Uh, but besides that, I'm I'm kind of shocked uh, at this comic a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you you uh, you mentioned that you and I have very Twitter very different Twitter feeds. You follow a, a person that I specifically will not follow uh, because yeah. of of how um, uh, shameful he makes me feel. Okay. Um, so I I and it it is his commentary 
that I, I heard the same coming from well, for the same thing that I heard that's just heard from you, sure. but every, but all the people that I follow on, on Twitter, uh, you know, that I try to follow because I try not to get too many people who are going to share too many negative thoughts. Cause I don't want that on my feed and because it makes me feel terrible uh, when people uh, unintentionally try to make me feel like I'm a bad person for reading a comic that I like. Sure. Yeah. So I try to, so I try to stay away from a lot of that. Um, but that said, like people like Patrick Williams, who I follow, all said it was like really, like a really great debut issue. So uh, I'm still excited to read it. I haven't yet, but uh, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have, I'll reserve my judgment. Hey man, that's great. Uh, I just, Donnie Cates is a human being. Not everything has to be 10 out of 10. I thought this first issue was a really big misfire. That's all. I'm definitely not saying that that's, that, that, that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give it one more issue. Uh, Jeff Shaw's still a great artist. Uh, felt very tone deaf. Mm. And you know it happens sometimes, yeah. and that's Perfect. that's classic comics. That's Perfect. it. Um, Megan and I finished the Owl House. Uh, we finished oh. it actually today. Um, that show's super good. Uh, I really like. I'm just gonna compare it to the to like Disney cartoons because cartoons like Cartoon Network's doing its own thing. Um, it's so very clearly born out of the team part of the team that made Gravity Falls, uh, but taken in a new direction. Alex Hirsch is involved as a voice. I don't think he's writing anything or he might be just a little bit uh but it's it's you know spearheaded by a different showrunner um dana terrace and uh that show is solid uh and different from star versus the force of evil where i think star didn't really know what it wanted to be until it was at the end of season one this show knows out of the gate exactly what it wants to be it knows how to present itself to you it's very direct it's very it's very consistent in its humor and its tone um, I think almost everything about it works in every way. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. And I cannot believe that there's a Disney Channel cartoon that has a bisexual female lead who is also openly flirting with a, another female lead. That's so cool. uh, and and be, it being reciprocated. Like, Yo, it's, man. Uh, it's something. They made Motherland slowly getting better, they, better. That, for sure for sure but i mean like uh they're, they're, me. specifically like uh, i kind of talked about ben uh, uh about this with ben uh because i'm going to be writing a paper on owl house which is what uh, drove the impetus to uh watch it right now um related to queer lgbtq representation in children's cartoons and how that goes against the regulations that have been in place for a very long time about children's programming so like doing motherland is a little different than no 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 that. yeah uh so i i just uh what a time like this is happening across cartoons, but seeing it happen on a Disney cartoon is a pretty big deal, okay. um, which is really cool. Uh, that is a super solid show. I highly recommend it. It's very well done. How many um, episodes was it? That is a 19 episode first season that is out on Disney plus right now. Right on. Um, Haunting of Bly Manor. We did watch one more episode this week. That episode was fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, maybe my favorite of the season. I really like what they were doing with it. It's probably the least scary Oh, of yeah. the season, but it's also like the best character drama. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which Can't I really enjoy. Uh, on my own, I played a bunch of Fortnite. Oh, yeah. Uh, to once I uh, got out of the midterm, I just wanted to like really blow off some steam, and Fortnite became my my go to drug. Um, I'm glad I. I'm glad I. Yeah, I got changed. Yo, uh, so I've kind of talked about it before, but um, Fortnite is just such a different game from when I first tried it out, like early on in its uh in yeah. its like first year. Um, that game is so different because like, I don't jump in to be the guy who survives the match and I don't jump in to like take out a lot of other people. I jump in to go do fun quests and I go in to see if I can do 
uh, unique challenges and if I can get away with it um, <clears throat> and to explore parts of the map and to explore all the new Marvel things and to earn the new Marvel things and uh, having that wealth of material and content there to enjoy super duper works for it and the quality of the game because it's such a massive game uh, is so good that it feels very very rewarding to play um, Galactus is coming that is part of the event Galactus was a dot in the sky weeks ago he is now a clearly formed shape on the horizon uh getting closer and closer just with his hand like this coming at you and you're like oh so you're standing on the helicarrier before you load into the map and you look back and there he is and you're like oh he coming lord he coming and wolverine are doing the doja dance yes and i'm and i'm super excited about it because like uh i've seen videos of when they do like concerts uh that they did earlier this year during the COVID time and like you will have a character that is like uh a hundred times bigger than everybody else uh central to everything and they're not fighting around him they're just watching him because he's the concert figure but i can see how they can do that with galactus galactus is going to feel to scale and you're going to fight him with all the other fortnite players and i think that's dope it is uh, um, yeah, so I, I reached the point where I unlocked all the characters that you can unlock right now. They just added Ghost Rider. Oh, uh, he's already out? Ghost Rider was added uh, yesterday. I picked him up, too. Uh, Ghost Rider's great. Is there, like, a bike thing? Your glider is the bike, and you yeah. stand on top of it, and you rev down. Oh, okay, all right. That's really good. That's cool. uh, and, so, and also, because of that, like, you automatically get the uh, reskin for any vehicle. So any vehicle you get into will turn into fire and well, no. a reason to be in a car yeah yeah oh, yo that sounds yeah. rad yes yeah, then we're trying to get you in <laughs> um fortnite's a lot of fun guys uh since i'm talking about video games i did another video game thing um i played the kingdom hearts melody of memory demo mm. and i do want to talk about that um the first tutorial level i was like you know maybe this isn't gonna be good oh uh and frankly what it was is i'm like yeah i could listen to kingdom hearts music but i that first level that they make you play, I didn't feel like what I was doing was connecting to the music. It just mm -hmm. felt like it, it was like happenstance. But it didn't feel like when I hit the button, it's matching something in the music. I didn't get that feeling. The next song I played, which was for Traverse Town, I felt it. And there it are mechanics once you get past that where you can add in more or take away controls so that you can have more things to do to feel like you're more in the rhythm of it or if it's too overwhelming you can pull back and work your way up to it and all that kind of stuff and you can and and that's not difficulty that's just choosing controls then there is a difficulty scale to make things harder or whatever so both of those mechanics exist to really shift it up to make it so that you can customize what you feel like a good rhythm game feels like uh and having played around with that on some of the levels it does feel really good it does feel a lot of fun to play I do feel like I am hitting into the rhythm of things most of the time on the songs I played. Um, and I feel like it's a good time. It, it takes a little bit to, to get the controls down. Um, but if you like Kingdom Hearts, if you like the Kingdom Hearts music, I think it's going to be a fun game to play. I don't think it's worth the open buying price of $60 when it comes out. Aww, uh, I do not support that idea um, unless you're like a Kingdom Hearts absolute diehard. But wait on this one. Pick it up. It's uh, Ben, I think you should try the demo. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Funny, when all funny enough, I keep forgetting that melody. Uh, that uh, melody of memories is coming out. Yeah, I keep. I mean, I'll I'll be on. I'll just be like looking through my Instagram or my Facebook, and then it's like, oh, here's an ad for melody of memories. I'm like, oh yeah, that's coming out. Oh yeah, that's coming around my birthday. Because it's <laughs> it, it's it's 
the least important Kingdom Hearts game to get because it's extremely I, unplot based, except for like loose things to do with Kyrie. Like, I feel that Mega Memories could give recoded a reference money in terms of like plot. So I will say that, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, it, it probably is a little better than Recoded. I wasn't thinking about Recoded, but it's certainly more worth it than Recoded in gameplay because Recoded I mean, is oh, God. gameplay done again. But this is is unique. It does feel mm -hmm. good once you customize it to what you want. I mean, I probably will get Melody of Memories. I'm not opposed to Melody of Memories at, at all. I mean, I'd rather not spend 60 bucks on it. There's another list of games that, that I want to play. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I rather spend sixty or forty bucks on that, and then I'll wait to spend forty bucks on Melody of Memories and, later. And because Melody of Memories only on the PS4, uh, on these current systems, you know, it's not it's not directly made for the PS5 and everything. Like, you give it a year, it's going to be on a big sale. Yeah. Um, uh, and I recommend it because there's really no rush to pick it up. But I do mm -hmm. think it's going to be worth it for you to play. I, I recommend trying the demo. It it, it is fun. Okay. Um, so I do recommend it. Uh, I definitely, love, love definitely do not be turned off by the tutorial because I promise you that tutorial doesn't feel good. Like it's, it just you've got to get past that and and kind of work with work around and figure out what you can do. They also don't give you things that I feel like really mesh with it the way they do in the real levels. What's the song for the tutorial? Do you know? Uh, it's it's the it's um it's when, you're, it's when you're in the like in the black space with the stained glass. Oh, I, for that. that's I the music for it because it's tutorial and it's welcoming. So they did that song, and I'm like, I, mean, I get it, but that is like the least rhythmic song ever. Yeah. Like, makes sense, but it is, that's not like a good song for music for yeah, rhythm. You, you would think the first song that they would have you do the tutorial would be Dearly Beloved. So it's fun. I agree with you. Also, there's a great uh, the menu mix of Dearly Beloved is probably the, my favorite mix of Dearly Beloved I've heard. Uh, I'll say that. Um, it's 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 jazzy it's good uh Ooh. anyway um it works when they're telling you how to do the controls and you're just learning them but then they're like okay free play the rest of this and that's the part where it's like what okay um so definitely give it a try uh you know kind of find your own way through it i did watch um the most recent episode of the simpsons the treehouse of horror for this year uh because i i wanted to i love the treehouse of horror episodes more than anything else about the Simpsons. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted to see this year's. Uh, this year, I, you guys might have heard of it, but the opening was a uh, digitally animated short um, parroting Toy Story, kind of poking fun at them being owned by Disney, that kind of thing, uh, focusing on Bart. The animation on that is really cool. Um, they had a really good time making it, obviously. And I do think that uh, more often than previous Simpsons things, I've seen the jokes land for the three stories that they do. Um, there's some election stuff. There's... Uh, there's there's good good humor around. There's a really excellent uh, joke on um, the kind of Groundhog Day Happy Death Day stories, the time loop repeat stories mm -hmm. that they do with Lisa. That's all about her about to turn nine, and before she can turn nine, she keeps getting killed. Oh no! And she just can't progress out of that age, so she's going through that constant time loop. And her and Nelson end up trapped in it together, and they have to find a way out. Uh, and that was that was a pretty good parody of those kind of things. So I enjoyed that. Um, uh, I watched the movie Easy A for the first time because it came to Netflix <laughs> and I'd never seen, it. Wow. I had never seen it and uh, so Megan was like I kind of want to watch this and I'm like I've never seen it I wanted to so uh, pretty good film yeah. overall pretty good film um, I I think that there's a, only a couple of things that are like a little bizarre about it uh, specifically her abandoning her friendship 
over over the argument that they have feels a little silly. It's not entirely clear to me in the beginning why she wants to commit so hard to keeping up the reputation that she has. It does become clear when like the 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 queer uh, kid gets involved, Brandon. Um, that's his name. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it does become clear when that happens, but prior to that, I feel like the motivation's not one hundred percent executed because I don't feel like I knew enough about who she was before mm-hmm. uh, the situation occurred. And um, and I kind of wish that there was a better button on her relationship with Thomas Hayden Church, Church's teacher character. Uh, but because of the format of how they did the film, they kind of don't allow for that. So I kind of get it. But overall, solid Stanley film. Stanley Tucci dad? Stanley Tucci dad. Yes. One of my favorite things. The parents. Her interactions with her parents are fantastic. That's Almost worth I, the movie yeah, alone. That's what I remember loving. What am I, if I remember correctly, because it's been years since I've seen Easy A. Yeah. She, it's um, her little brother, who's African-American. He goes, yeah, I'm adopted. And Stan teacher goes, damn it, who told me that? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not damn it, but it is what? <laughs> who told you? <laughs> I I thought that was gold. He's uh, like, are you kidding me? There there's a lot of gold in the the interactions between her and her parents. Solid. Um, digging for copper, but I found gold. Yeah. Uh, and uh, lastly. Just this weekend, Hulu dropped Killing Eve season three uh, because that aired on BBC America. Now the whole season has dropped Mm. on Hulu. Um, And so Megan and I started that uh, with the first episode. Um, Still enjoying that show. Uh, Interested to see where it goes. First episode definitely leaves you on a big note. So yeah. Anyway. Who killed you again? That's my week. The weeks are done. Four weeks in a month, baby. All right. Um. We have, a, we have a small news. Uh, we're going to do the bread and butter segment. And here's your bread. And your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Hey, okay, not in my ear, thank you. It was a small news week uh, because of the election. Took a lot of the news cycle. So, you know, a lot of the entertainment stuff stayed out of the way. But there were some some uh, things. Like I said up top, we do have, we do have something sad to get through um, to, before... Uh, Jeopardy host Alex Trebek died just this morning. Yeah. Uh, he died of, he, he did lose his battle with cancer. Uh, obviously last year he announced that he was uh, diagnosed with cancer. He lost his, that battle this morning. Uh, he was 80 years old. Uh, I didn't know this, but he was, he has the world record for the most game show episodes host hosted. I believe, uh, it. I believe it. And he did Jeopardy. He started Jeopardy in 1984 and he's been doing it since. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. By all intents and purposes, a really nice guy. Uh, yes, he was a he was a powerhouse in the entertainment industry. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Trebek has done a lot to be like a, a politically progressive person uh, mm-hmm. behind the scenes. He's made I think more than one appearance for Last Week Tonight things, um, and he's very public about the like very much teaching. Uh, he's in a weird way spiritually uh, the later generations Mr. Rogers mm, uh, just kind yeah. of like wholesome encouragement of how we can better educate each other and be friendly to each other uh, so it is sad to see him pass I think everyone kind of was in a bracing fact that we knew our years with him left were numbered after yeah. a certain point um, but you know so so we I think on a, on a social level I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about you know I was prepared for it but it's still sad yeah. uh, and I agree um, you know, but his, his legacy is well cemented and he, he lived a, a life to be proud of for sure. Definitely. Rest in I, peace, my man. I, I liked Jeopardy. There are times where I even catch myself self watching it and 
it's it's Jeopardy. It's a fun game show, but see, literally seeing Alex Trebek host that show for my entire life, and then now that he's he's gone, and they're gonna probably find a new host for the show eventually. It's just weird. Like I knew our, I I knew he was up there in age, but I didn't know he was eighty. Right, for, he was in his sixties for years uh, to this day. The pairing of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune is such a huge powerhouse in prime mm-hmm. time. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. Totally. Sad. Yeah. Um, all right. So we got a quick Ray Fisher update. There was a small little nugget that dropped this week. We got a little um, nugget? Little little Ray Fisher nuggy. Yeah, that's not right. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I, no, 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 I know. I like it. What's the nug about? <laughs> um, apparently, uh, he said in an interview, uh, the big thing I said in the interview was that every single uh, scene that he is in the theatrical cut of Justice League was a reshoot scene with the exception of the scene on the Gotham rooftop with Commissioner Gordon and Batman and Wonder Woman and Flash. Those are okay. those are all bad, right? Those are bad shots? He's, yeah. he's I mean, the whole movie's kind of... Eh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that... Is, I don't know how to respond. I don't know. Like, it, it reshoots yeah. happen. Like, it, reshoots happen with all the other actors, too, I'm assuming, right? Like, okay. I guess... The point of it is to kind of say, like, if you didn't like his appearance in the film, blame Whedon, mm. I guess. Mm. Which I'm like, okay, if you say yeah. so. Which I did, I, I, you know, that's yeah. true. I don't, I don't think he was very good in in the movie. I didn't think he had a strong character, um, and I don't think it was performed very well. And that could be, not that I'm blaming Ray Fisher entirely for that. It could be that he, he, given what he's saying, he could have been like really. Uh, unmotivated to bring his best to it anyway um in, or, or which i could understand or badly directed but i don't know or badly directed yeah, it could know. be all of these things right uh or uh certainly i know i just regardless don't like the look of cyborg because i don't like how they went all cgi so there's always that but um it's true okay yeah. that's um, the nug. <clears throat> there you go that's the that's the nug um so we got a couple of industry shifts that happened this week. Uh, for example, Disney has pushed, and by the way, I can't believe I'm about to say that Death of the Nile is a Disney movie. Um, oh. Free Guys and Death of the Nile have been pushed from their December release dates. Uh, Free Guy was initially going to come out on December 11th of this year, and, and Death of the Nile was originally supposed to come out on December 18th of this year. They have been pushed to an undisclosed date, so they are not back on the uh, they are not back on the on the release calendar for next year uh, at this moment. They're just not on a release schedule right now. Did I because I don't remember? I know Dune got pushed. Did Wonder Woman get pushed yet? Not yet because that's no. December they're, 2, right? They're holding still yeah. at this moment. I mean, it's an inevitable push, but they're holding, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I think every studio is just kind of like how soon because they don't want to sit on all these movies forever. Like, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're just kind of like, how soon can we push this? And and it came to the point where December 11th and 18th were like, no, nah, that's, not, that's not happening. <laughs> It just feels like every studio is, is like reactionary to another studio. Like no one has a plan. It's like, oh, they push their movie, so I think I feel safe pushing my movie then. And then they you know, do that, and then they do that. Do you know why no one has a plan? Because because no one has no a- one has a plan. <laughs> yeah, don't release movies, guys. We can wait. Yeah, I, I, know, I think- stock, know stock market stock market guys are like money, money, money. But like, just hold on, you'll get your money. <laughs> I I wonder if Death on the Nile would do this, but I have a feeling a free guy might just be put on Disney Plus. That seems like an expensive movie, man. I don't know. Yeah. They put Mulan, which is one of the more expensive live action films and to I date. Think that, was a, that was a test and it failed. Sure. I, 
and I still stand by like, you know, it, it bothers me that soul is going on for soul, free. Yeah. I don't think it should. Yeah, I agree. Um, because I think it's a discredit to the hardworking artists on that film to charge nothing. Uh, and uh, I would say like, I could see free guy doing that too, but at a price, I couldn't see it doing it for free. Uh, mm. haha. <laughs> um, no free, free guy. Um, but uh, it, it could happen. Death on the Nile, I could see them honestly holding for a year. I think so. Because I think they like it in the December time. I think mm -hmm. they feel like it's a good holiday film. Um, and I think they're kind of right. Uh, so I could see them holding it for a year because they don't really need to not. And yeah. they can just leave it out of the way of everything else that still wants to come out. Free Guy's a little bit of a wild card. Yeah. I feel... Yeah. I agree. With, I feel that um, Death and Isle could be a good November December um, release. It's for. a good family film, honestly. Like like Murder on the Orient Express, Knives Out. Like those movies are good mm -hmm. to go to go to the theater with your family. And yeah. Wow. Because we had Murder, Murder, uh, Knives Out. A lot of good murder mysteries coming out during the holidays. Yeah. Murder and holiday go hand in hand. I guess they do. I guess they hey, do. Long Halloween, baby. Let's Black go. Watch Who done it? What do you say, Brandon? Black Christmas. Oh. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, I'm going to do this one last. Castle Rock was canceled at Hulu this week. Ben's favorite show. Uh, you know, Stephen King's Castle Rock. Rip. Uh, so, sorry. Sorry for the loss, Ben. Yeah. Feel for you. Happens to all of us, man. We've all got shows canceled. It's true. Think I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to let your feelings out, man. Ben. Then you don't have to hide behind sports masculinity to disguise your feelings, man. It's all right to feel. It's a, this is a safe space. Safe space. Anyway. I watched three episodes of Castle Rock, and it was pretty good. And I just stopped watching it just for various reasons. That is a show that combines all of Stephen King's things in, like, one universe. That's a really cool thing, and it, it was really good. It's a shame it didn't last longer. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel partially to blame because much like you, 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 uh, you know, I just didn't really pick it up. Yeah. Uh, and there's just other things I was watching and I, I want to still, uh, but it's a bummer. I'm like, I'm sure everything I've heard makes it sound like something right up my alley. I just didn't take the time and it's a bummer that Hulu has now pulled the ax on it. Or yeah. I agree. Um, all right. So the, probably the biggest news that came out this week was that uh, on Thursday, uh, Johnny Depp released a statement. Oh, saying yeah. that Warner Brothers had asked him to retire the role of Grindelwald. So, paired with that, very interesting. That he, with, he yeah. So, so, so okay, paired with that, uh, uh, it has been delayed to November 2022. It's no longer coming out next year. I mean, it's not like I'm looking forward to it. Or anything. Well, now it has a pivotal character. No, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe now I'll like it. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it, regardless it, of the situation. Oh, no, I know. Uh, regardless of the situation, um, I never liked him in the role. Um, I, I felt I always felt he was the wrong choice for that role. Um, so, I regardless thought, of the situation, I thought Colin Farrell was better. Bring him back. Bring up, make up a stupid magic excuse like, "Oh, I reverted back to that form for stupid reasons." Who cares? I'm Colin Farrell. That's actually a good idea. Like, if you are going to recast him, just turn him back into Colin Farrell because, like, he's so good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so regardless of the situation of what happening, what's happening with his career and uh, Amber Heard, uh, yeah. uh, I am happy for this because I don't like that. I don't like him in that role. Yeah, you know, you know who else would be great in that role? Um, Ray Fiennes, I think, could be a great. Is that two on the nose? I think no, it's okay. on the nose. 
He's too uh, old. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, they they cover him in so much makeup; it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, uh, so I agree with Brandon that like I was never a big fan of Johnny Depp in the role to begin with. However, I really disagree with this move overall, only because of all the statements that J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers made to defend him when people asked for them to recast him going into the crimes of Grindelwald. And they said over and over, we stand by Johnny Depp, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, if you made that bed, you lie in it. Yeah. You lie in it and you stay in it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You get it. it. But that's my my thing. I'm like, uh, this, this feels, and and frankly, um, not that I think that the court was wrong to do it, but like, the the way that this has spilled out still doesn't feel like it was damning enough necessarily to warrant Warner Brothers now reversing the statements they made defending him before. While he has been found like, you know, like, oh, no, we're not agreeing with your libel suit and all that. And we do think you were responsible in all of these incidents. It, it's, it doesn't feel like it's enough condemnation of his character necessarily to have warranted what Warner Brothers decided to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, you knew this was gross and messy when everybody told you. And you said, we've weighed the options, we've thought about it, and we believe Johnny Depp, and we stand behind Johnny Depp, which, again, is also really gross for Warner Brothers to do, considering they employ both of them in franchises. I was, yeah, I was going to uh, say, like, Amber Heard, is, is she still going to be in the DC movies? Like, So the, the gross thing that has happened is that because of this, the internet is calling for Amber Heard's head, too. They want her kicked out of the DC films right. um, because of this, because they, they staunchly are against her. And look, there's a whole lot, a whole lot, a lot of public information about this stuff and then stuff we don't know that you can sift through and it is a ton and the bottom line of it in my opinion has become they're both bad they're both toxic they're both toxic messy people and they both did terrible terrible shit to each other and they were both abusive Mm -hmm. um i I am not privy to which one i would say is worse than the other or necessarily but uh, just move forward but it's emma she tilted the table um (laughs) But in in neither case is one blameless party, right? Uh, But I do think it's wrong that the internet has gone after Amber Heard so hard over this, over Warner Brothers' decision. I don't think that's right. That's coming from a place of we've got to defend our favorite actor, Johnny Depp, kind of thing. But really going back to the main point of it, just Warner Brothers was so committed to defending him against so many people, very publicly asking, please recast him because of these things, at least until it's settled, like, we don't want him in these movies. We care about these movies. We are Harry Potter fans and all that. And Rowling and Warner Brothers made statements where they're like, no, 100%. He's a great guy. We're going to da 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 And now they ask him to leave. Please stick to your guns. Bury your franchise in this. So real quickly, uh, Mag says, Wizards Age don't matter. That is true. However, this man is supposed to be in a relationship with Jude Law. So it kind of does. <laughs> um, yeah. And so... That's that's kind of my feeling on it. I'm like, ultimately, like, I agree conscientiously it's a better choice, but I'm kind of like, I feel like Warner Brothers should have to eat, but also eat, look at, eat, the, eat the thing they made. Yeah. But also look at J.K. Rowling. You know, all they really need to do to keep making these Fantastic Beast movies without J.K. Rowling is be like, okay, J.K., you don't write the script anymore. And, and to be honest, it's not it's not like they need her. Hollywood is, is, they can get anyone from Hollywood to write a Harry Potter script and they would love to do it. It's just that she's still in most control. That's exactly, that's, that's the problem is she's the money house. She's the, she's the lady. But she said so much problematic shit. Why would they, why would they be like, here, one problematic dude, JK Rowling was also one of the few to ask him to to leave. 
so that has come back around in a really gross way too because it's uh, J.K. Rowling wanting to like really stand up for women as she's saying which is one of the reasons why she speaks against the transgender situations as she does is because of the threat of violence on women and I'm like you literally defended Johnny Depp who we at least know did commit violent acts against yeah. Amber Heard like bare minimum we know that's true and you were just like no this is fine though uh, it's acceptable in this one case and and now you're reverting that but staying silent about it bullshit it's just all messy and gross. This Hollywood's full of gross people. Yeah, yeah. Which historian has a comment? It would probably be better if they didn't have her write the movies. Yeah, uh, she's got a co-writer in this one. Just make him the make him the. I guess I guess I ultimately don't care because I'm still probably not going to see the next one. No. I mean, okay. Colin Farrell's in it. I... If Colin Farrell's in it, I'll think about it. But I'd have to hear some good shit because that last movie was so bad. It was bad. As I said, as I constantly say, there are few films that make me fundamentally give up on a franchise. Uh, because of how bad they are, and unfortunately, Crimes of Grindelwald is that film for Harry I Potter. I always refer to that movie as the movie when uh, uh, Grindelwald summoned three blue eyes, white dragons in attack mode. He did. Because the thing is, like, is Colin Farrell worth me still supporting J.K. Rowling? No. Is it? I don't <laughs> no, know. No, because he's is now anymore. in Batman, and I could support that a million times. Right. Yeah. You know what kind of. So I, I was packing away some books and I packed away my Harry Potter books and the sixth book I have, Half-Blood Prince, is the English print published one. Ooh. I mean, it's still, it's like, it's English, but it's UK English. It's the UK yeah. version. So yeah. her portrait on the back, I flipped her off when I put the book in the box. She, uh, which, she felt that one. Which Sharpie it. Sharpie your mustache. I'm not going to Sharpie the book, but I just, because I was looking at it, I was like, man, F you. You're saying so much horrible shit. When all the things that came out with J.K. Rowling, as I've said, uh, you know, Crimes of Grindelwald, if you go back to the, the review that we did, Crimes of Grindelwald made me so angry that I, I, as I just said, I fundamentally gave up on the Harry Potter franchise. And so when when all the stuff started coming out with J.K. Rowling with the, tra- with the, with the transgender people, um, J.K. Rowling v. transgendered, apparently, uh, I, when that happened, I was like, well, honestly, this isn't even hard. Yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. I'm already out. You just made it easier. It also, I mean, for years, I mean, once so I, because we used to go, it was a tradition for Brandon and I, our birthday to go to Universal for our birthdays. That's still a we, fun ride. I'm still going. No, no, it's still a fun ride. But at the same time, when I'm there and I see books one and six, because they're, they still sell the hardcovers at the stores and I could have a uniform set of all seven Harry Potter books in hardcover and it will look glorious. I just don't want to give her my money. Do you want a uniform setter and do you want to give her some more money? That's on your soul, baby. It's, it's on your soul. That's all. Or I um, could just go find them at uh, secondhand bookstores. Okay. I just, I just thought of that right now. I was like, wait, duh, I could do that. So moving, on. Too. moving on, Ben. Moving on. <laughs> um, okay. So this happened last week and I totally blanked and forgot to put this on the news. Uh, but Tom Holland, director Tom Holland, not uh young actor tom holland nathan uh, drake not nathan drake spider-man but tom holland the director of fright night uh said that he is working on a new sequel to fright night that ignores fright night part two. Oh, why um he did not have any involvement in that film apparently which i, I just oh. read he did not he was not involved in the making of that movie he chose to step away and now that the rights have reverted have reverted back to him they did last year so now he has the rights to the franchise. He is writing a new script called um, Fright Night 2 Resurrection. Uh. Um, and he wants to bring back all the original cast. And he alludes to the fact that even the characters who have passed would return. 
in some way. Uh, so he's very he's very much looking at like Halloween and being like, I can do that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So real quickly, uh, go ahead. Sorry, real quickly. Which historian says, "Well, and Crimes of Grindelwald also decided to kill off one of their people of color, who was they did kill the Lestrange girl." Yeah, there's oh, a lot yeah. of problems in the wall. Yeah, yeah. We did a whole podcast. Which about historian? It. If you want us to shit, if you want to see a shit all over that movie, we got a review for you. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, uh, Sparks. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that this was happening until I saw that you put it in the in the news. Um, I I really like Fright Night Part Two, so I I'm not I I don't personally I don't understand why you even need to erase it to do this. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you can do a revisitation with, it's not like those main characters die at the end of part two. They don't. Uh, so I don't know why you have to just ignore that film, unless you really just hate it. Maybe he's just petty. <laughs> I guess. But I'm like, that movie was pretty good. Like, it's not as good as the first one, but it's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, I thought the idea worked overall. Uh, I'm, I love Fright Night. It would be cool to see again. I don't know how much that, you're, you have a gift with Halloween in the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis turned out to be a fantastic actress yeah. throughout her career. I don't know how true that is of the main guy in Fright Night. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm all about getting the vampire back and uh, the vampire killer too. If, if I haven't even looked at that actor still around. Uh, but, uh, I don't think he is. Yeah, so that that... It's a little bizarre. It's a little bit bizarre of an idea, especially because, like, I don't... I don't think Fright Night has the cult following enough to warrant this, but... He passed in um, 1990. Yeah, he passed away. So the vampire killer is dead. It'll be a son uh, or something. Right, and I'm like, I don't need to... I, I Bring in David Tennant and connect it to the remake. How? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We'll I, always have, I mean, I agree. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. I'd be into that, but like, I don't know how you do it. That's like Evil I, Dead, Evil Dead situation. I have not seen uh, the original Fright Nights. Uh, I've only seen the remake, unfortunately. Um, that was completely a well, failing on my part. Well worth your time, but yeah. it is hard for me to picture uh, a revival of that working the way that, like, uh, as you alluded, the, the kind of Halloween revival did. Yes. Um, yeah. Not impossible, but uh, I, I have a hard time seeing it. Brian, your Christmas wish has finally come true. Don't psych me out. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> every year our holiday specials, uh, Brian says, I'm still wishing for the remaster for oh. Mass Effect. And this week, they said that the remaster for Mass Effect, an HD remaster, is coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC next year in spring and spring is is very soon that's that's like the next that's the next uh whatever the things are called season or whatever uh <laughs> guys i uh, it's just i'm so happy because mass effect 2 is my favorite game of all time but the mass effect trilogy also dragon age which came out around the same time that is that is that is peak bioware that is that is bioware uh developing the best games that they could possibly make like that's like the crescendo baby that's like empire strikes back they've never made anything better than mass effect 2 i don't think um and i was kind of hoping like I was kind of hoping for like a whole like remake thing, but then at the end of the day, like that would take way too much time. So just gave it a nice fresh coat of paint. It comes with all of the DLC and Mass Effect has some of the best DLC ever in games, like truly awesome story stuff that really adds to the game. Uh, so playing one, two and three, 
uh, the Mass Effect franchise is one of the only franchises where your save data from one goes to two and goes to three. So the story stuff that happens in one, it actually really does matter in three. And there are very few games that really pull that off. Mass Effect is... You can play that game a dozen times and have a bunch of different character endings and shit. I'm just like, oh, yes! Oh, Which historian? Which historian says, I'm replaying Mass Effect 2 today and Dragon Age is my fave game series. Uh, and also it's says, <laughs> yes, N7 Day 2020 was the best. Yes. Shadow Broker is one of the best. That's uh, the Shadow Broker is, yeah, one of the best DLC uh, uh, expansions of all time. Uh, yeah. Truly beautiful stuff. Um, I'm just, I'm just, <clears throat> and it's and it's not happening in like two years. It's happening in like less than six months. So I'm yeah. just. Ryan had a really great Saturday morning. Dude, for real. <laughs> I got a new president. I got a Mass Effect. He woke up to text from us saying Biden's the president and Mass Effect is getting a remastered trilogy. Yeah. And he's like, well, this is just a great day. Yeah. Uh, War, the scream of joy, the the squeal of joy I heard wasn't, jo- I thought it was like, oh, are people celebrating outside? And then I go outside, streets are empty. But then I'm like, oh, wait, no. And then I check my phone. I was like, oh, Mass Effect. That's no, right. yeah. Screaming into the void. Yeah. They also uh, said that Bioware is working on the on the next chapter of the Mass Effect universe. So that's kind so, of so uh, they're so they made Mass Effects one, two, and three, and then they made another Mass Effect game, and it's very bad. And we just we just don't talk about it, you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's are we actually gonna get Mass Effect four? I don't. Not, I don't know. The they said they are that we're not talking about. Ben, they said they are they are very early in the story. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, let them work. Let them do their work. Mm-hmm. Now you got to find a new Christmas wish for this year. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe I got I got the one I want for like my life. That's true. like easy. Every Take year. <laughs> Take my baby Mega Man one. Maybe it'll come true this time. No. After four years. All right. Look. Yes. <laughs> we're gonna preface this. This is a this is a rumor of a rumor. So this is I'm only putting it on here because everybody and their mother is talking about it. But apparently, normally I wouldn't do this, but apparently, deadline is saying. That a Boba Fett miniseries oh. is going to shoot before Mandalorian season three. Um, I think they are confused because Mandalorian season three is filming soon. Yeah, um, it could be like, like a. I don't know. I don't believe. Uh, I don't. There's so much Star Wars news. Andromeda was not a bad Mass Effect game. The problem was it wasn't good. Yeah. Just See, that's even worse. A game that's middling. I'd rather you just really suck or be really good. Middling is even. That's whatever. But. uh I can't believe any Star Wars news these days, my man. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't believe any, any Disney rumor news out of Deadline. I can't buy anymore. Yeah, whoever their their source was is is fired. That guy. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the things Hollywood Reporter screwed this one up too because they said it's the James Mangold series, and James Mangold tweeted was like, "Who said that?" Because I'm not involved with this anymore. That's not what I'm doing. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I I don't believe that that's true however i will say the idea of a boba fett miniseries kind of intrigues me a miniseries meaning smaller than mandalorian seasons which are already eight episodes Mm -hmm. uh does intrigue me because i don't necessarily want to explore everything that they'd want to explore about boba fett shoehorned into the mandalorian story because i don't think those two things jive together 100 percent. i think there can be some crossover but you want to know a little bit more about boba fett It'd probably have to be explored because in my mind, I was thinking the best, the only way I can picture them doing it is a whole episode of the Mandalorian that just, just following Boba Fett. And I'm like, but I don't know that I want the Mandalorian to do that. Cause that doesn't, that feels against the idea of the show. So the miniseries sounds like a good idea, but I don't believe it's true at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think they're just confused because Mandalorian season three is filming soon. I would rather a Boba Fett miniseries than an entire series about him or a film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Um, okay, that's enough on that. That we gave that just the right amount of air. Um, Stargirl had some casting this week. Uh, two of their two of their new uh, JSA members have been cast. Um, Thunderbolt, who is Johnny Thunder's uh, genie sidekick. Uh, she, he's the pink lightning bolt, for those of you who don't know. Um, also, Jakeem Thunder uh, is, the, is the next generation uh, who carries the Thunderbolt. Um, we remember him in the in the show. He's the pink pen. Jim Gaffigan will be the voice of the character. The character will be completely CG. Which makes sense. Jim Gaffigan. Wow. Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. What a choice. He's the voice of Thunderbolt. It's well, gonna now. be. Wow. Um, wow. Talk about hot pockets, Stargirl. <laughs> I think that Jakeem Thunder is not far behind. Yeah. Um, because what they're doing in in the show in Stargirl is setting up a next generation JSA, uh, and Thunderbolt is actually one of the few JSA members to have a legacy um, that just like passed on the same exact power and not was just inspired by. Right on. So, All right. With Jakeem Thunder. Okay, and then Jade, who is Alan Scott's daughter. Um, for those of you who don't know, Alan Scott has two kids: Obsidian, who is gay, and Jade, who is not. Um, Jade has the exact same powers as her father, with the exception of she doesn't have a ring. Uh, so the star heart is just part of her, her, unlike it is with, uh, with Alan Scott. Um, Alan Scott married the original Rose and Thorn, which I didn't know. That was interesting to find out that her mother is the original Rose and Thorn. Um, but we're hearing rumors that, uh, Issa Penarejo has been cast as Jade. Uh, she's a fairly unknown act actor, uh, done some Disney stuff. Um, so this will kind of be her like her big break on the CW. Cool, right on, good for her. Yeah, so cool. I had all this, all, all these facts written down about Alan Scott because I know way too much about Alan Scott. <laughs> anyway, probably the biggest DC news that came out this week was uh, Grant Morrison. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this because this is incredible. Grant Morrison came out as non-binary this week. Yes. Um, if you look at his body of work, it seems like this is something. Uh, funny enough, I think the person you don't like, Brandon, I think is is like the biggest Grant Morrison fan on the planet. And he's basically he's written like a bunch of essays on him. He's like, you know, as someone who's basically studied his entire body of work, this seems like a no brainer. It seems mm -hmm. like something he's been battling or dealing with his entire career um, in various comic ways. And it's just it's really cool to have him finally do it. And like, man, that's so cool. Yeah. It's also, I don't think it's, and it's not like it matters, but it's, I don't, it's like, it's not somebody you'd expect possibly. And it's just like, that's so cool that like, you just, you just never really know a person. Um, well, and that's so cool that they, that's how they want to be. And I love it. Yeah. It's really cool because uh, Grant Morrison shaped 20 years of comic books. Yeah. Like really, like he was the, he was one of the shapers of the DC comics in the early 2000s. Uh, he's been, a, been writing comics since the 80s and 90s. Like he's such a prominent figure in comics and to have such a prominent figure be this, this be non-binary is, uh, is, is such a win. Yeah. Uh, out, of, out of curiosity, does more, did Morrison, because I didn't look into it, did Morrison announce new pronouns? They, them. They, or, them. They, them. Okay. Yeah. I just knew, you know, we're all used to saying he. Yes. For him. Yeah. I, we were just doing it. And I just want to know. I, see, I was yeah. right. They then. Yeah, yeah. Because well, I, 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 when I saw the um, the announcement on Twitter that Graham Morrison came out as non-binary, at first I thought it was fake. I mean, because it's like, because it's to me it was like, it's something way out of left field. It's like, 
really? And then I, I dove de- a little bit deeper, and then people were like, yeah, they're now, Grant Morrison's now my, not buying. I'm like, but as as what Ryan yeah. said, as what Ryan said, you know, you never really know somebody. True. You never, you really don't. So that's really uh, cool. Even with my limited amount of, uh, in comparison to a lot of other people, like of reading Grant Morrison stuff, I can still see where like this this very much tracks into, of he, a perceptive a perception that they have had about the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's get that next clause mini series. Thanks, Boo. Anyway, <laughs> um, all right. So uh, now we're in trailers. Like I said, there wasn't a whole lot this, that happened this week. Um, wow, that's gonna be a short episode. Amazing. Yeah, like I said, a lot, a lot, a lot. We might, we might finish before midnight for once. No, don't um, be great. The election happened, so a lot of people say out of the news cycle. Um, so that's all we got. So we're in trailers. Uh, you want to put this one in here, Ryan? No Man's Sky Next Generation came out yeah, last week. Because I, as if you're fans of the podcast, you know that the game came out like four years ago, and it was a big hunk of piece of shit. And I was like really excited for it. Like truly, like my most anticipated game of all time because it's like free roaming a, a galaxy, bi- literally billions of planets you can explore, all procedurally generated. Uh, they did not deliver whatsoever. Um, now that this trailer is out, I wanted to show you guys this trailer because this is what I, this is what they promised four years ago. And tell me, this does not look like the coolest shit you've ever seen. It's really cool. It looks like some of the coolest shit I've ever seen. Like, dude, like. They, they they promised at launch four player multiplayer and they didn't even have that. Now the fact that we can have 32 player multiplayer traveling the infinite galaxy, base building these giant statues, these giant, these giant bases. Uh it's just like it's the Minecraft space game I've really always wanted. And now like once I have a nice PC, but like playing it on my PC, it chunks because like it's it's intense. It's a really intensive game. But if I get a next gen console, uh it's gonna be like the game I've always wanted. Uh and I'm just like yeah, baby, this looks so cool. Uh, which historian says what should also be really celebrated though is that they felt comfortable coming out as regards to Grant yes. Morrison. Yes, totally. uh, agreed. Uh, in regards to Morrison, I think that's awesome. Morrison's definitely a person in a comfortable enough position uh, that you know it's 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 you know there's no harm to career in doing it. I, I would say overall, yeah, which is great. Um, but what's great about it is that Morrison doing it is going to make it a lot easier for a lot of other people to be able to do it in the industry as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and about No Man's Sky, which historian says No Man's Sky was awful. I'm glad that they've done well enough to continue, but dot, dot, dot. no, yeah. Uh, which historian, as someone who who I'm telling you, that game is a different game now. It is. It is. If you wanted to like that game, there's no reason not to like it. Like it's awesome. It's so cool. Yeah, I, I, at this point, I'm willing to jump in and check it out at some time. I am too. I might do it once I get my PS5. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then the final trailer. The final trailer that came out was the. We knew this was coming. The Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, this yeah, is, I, yeah. yeah. So this is the Lego Star Wars. So they're they're kind of ripping off the original Holiday Special with everyone comes to celebrate Life Day, um, <laughs> and Day. a lot of the original a lot of the original actors come back. Billy Dee Williams. Um, there's also James Arnold Taylor as Obi Wan, Tom Kane as Yoda, and uh, Matt Lanter Lanter from uh, Clone Wars as Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this James Earl Jones is Darth Vader, honestly, but I wasn't sure. I'm I'm sure he'd do it. Yeah, um, definitely, it's definitely Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac and John Boyega, a hundred percent. I think it's definitely Oscar Isaac, but that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I wasn't convinced it was any of them. <laughs> um, which historian says did we not <laughs> learn a lesson with the original Hollis? They did, wow. which is why they're making this one. I gotta say, uh, I I thought this 
was funnier than I expected it to be. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually pretty excited for it. Yeah. No, I'm actually I'm excited for it too. Having it's I mean it's Legos Lego a lot of the Lego properties as far as I know and I have played they're all about having fun. Yeah, I was talking to Ryan a bit about this that um most of the Lego Star Wars uh, animated video outputs were done by Cartoon Network mm-hmm. uh, or with Cartoon Network uh, before. Uh, the Freemaker Adventures. Um, is it Freemaker or Freemason? It's Freemaker, right? Freemaker. Yeah. Yeah. Freemaker Adventures, which <laughs> I watched. Freemasons. Yeah, I know that. That's that kid. Like, <laughs> did they? And no. Um, but uh, the, the Freemaker Adventures, which I watched a little bit of, um, it it just was bizarre because it felt like they were trying to make this family very relevant to the that show was weird because it didn't feel like it was playing outside of star wars canon enough it felt like it was trying to make this family fit in canon and be important and i'm like that doesn't work for me with a lego show whereas this looks much more like we're playing loosey-goosey with the rules we're just having fun we're just having a good time everybody loves star wars we're gonna riff on everything and and that appeals way more there is a Star Trek uh, uh, riff in this in this that they didn't mean to do. Uh, in Star Trek Season 2, they use time travel because there's such a thing as time crystals now in the Star Trek universe, which sucks. But Ray finds a time crystal and travels through time. Oh. There you go. <laughs> which, 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 which I will say is a little bizarre because the means to time travel already exists yes. in Star Wars. And yeah. that they're not going the same route of it is a little interesting, but whatever. Uh, this yeah. one that's why the the idea for those of you who don't know uh, for those of you watching is that ray goes through time meeting uh, going to different star wars uh, moments um meeting luke as a as a kid going through a lot of the original series it looks like um fighting darth vader obi-wan's there you see the mandalorian and see the mandalorian which is cute uh it oh. kind of gives me like like robot chicken vibes a little bit yes oh, yeah. exactly which which uh, i'm which i'm a big the robot of. chicken star wars specials are fantastic so yeah. having a, a like a family-friendly version of it is fine with me yeah. uh fun antics a a silly way to bring uh elements of all three eras of star wars plus as which historian pointed out the television shows because we see some mandalorian and the child in there cool. uh, all into one space and play around is fun because you can't you can't actually do that and the thing is and the thing is, it's not canon, which means it's just to have it's, it's fun. fun. It's Lego. Although, if it has a better ending than Rise of Skywalker, it is canon now to me. What if they, like, fix the ending or something? It, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, will they riff hard enough that they fix the ending of Rise of Skywalker? Because post-Rise of Skywalker, because Rey's got her her yellow... Yeah, uh, her and I'm like, you know what? If it makes me feel better about that ending, that's canon now, baby. I'll... I love the joke at near the end of the trailer where it's like my son, and then it's like what? Like these binary sons? <laughs> my goodness! Good, good cheeky humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then talking, talking more fighty, fighty. That's it. Um, that's the that's the news. So now we're going to move into our review. So full Hold on. we have to we have to like skip like we have to like wait like another hour. This is way too fast. This is I can't handle it. <laughs> it's like the old days. It's like the old days. One hour later. Right, so full spoilers for the new Netflix movie, Over the Moon, uh, the new animated Netflix film. So I'm going to put this down in the ticker. If no excuse, full spoilers. Um, that was it's a great. Really... Go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. Go yeah. watch Over the Moon. Yeah, we're going to talk about it in depth. All right, so if you have not seen Over the Moon, please stop watching, stop listening. If you have not seen it, um, you, you know we won't care. Nobody watches this anyway, except for two people, two or three people every week. <laughs> They're all important to me. Every one of you is a million people. But if they go to watch Over the Moon instead of watching this, I don't blame them. Here's what you do. Mute us. 
also mute over the moon to try to decipher what it's going on between both. No, no, no. Or you have us play audio while you're watching the movie, but you mute the TV. So you're not going to talk about it. No, it's not as confusing. No? Okay. So uh, over the moon, let's get started. Uh, Pam, why don't you go first with your initial thoughts? Uh, It was fine. I don't hate it. Which historian says, it was so good. Right off the bat, we've got a heated argument between oh. Ben and Witch Historian. <laughs> I don't know which historian is talking about. I don't know which historian was talking about the trailer because before um, they said it, it was a really good trailer. So, no, they're talking about Over the Moon, Ben. It was so good. Uh, I, I, okay, Ben. Uh, Sparks. Yeah, uh, I thought I loved it. Right? I really did. I thought it was really good. I'm Over the Moon for Over the Moon. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I agree with you guys. I really loved it. I, I thought I had a really good time with it. The uh, the animation is gorgeous. I love the neon animation for the the moon creatures. Um, and I love the music. Uh, real quickly, which historian says I loved Over the Moon. It was such a beautiful telling of a traditional story that got gorgeous updates. Yeah. Uh, yes, I agree. Um, I agree about the animation. I love whenever they use the two D animation that they use, uh, both like playing with. Uh, the story uh, of the legend and then playing with uh, her creations and her drawings moving about. Uh, I thought that it, it was inventive with the way that they used it. I thought all the designs were so cool. It's colorful. It's, it's very colorful. It's so vibrant. Yeah. Like it almost hurts your eyes how, how beautifully colored it is. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like a rave. Uh, and I loved it. Yeah. I thought, I thought that Pearl Studios, Pearl Animation Studios yeah. did a great job with this. One of my, my favorite song in this actually is the first song when we sing, uh, where, we, where we see the goddess, um, whose name I know, but I don't want to try. Oh, oh Saturnine? <laughs> yeah. Um, Saturnine. Chunga. <laughs> uh, Chunga. Chunga. I know yeah. we got Fei Fei is the main character, correct? Yeah. Chen, yeah. Chen's the little brother. Chen is the little brother, yes. Chen, 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 okay. Chen. Chen, got it. Okay, and no barriers. And uh, of uh, of course, uh, Bungie. Yeah, oh. John Cho is the is the voice of the dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, um, Sandra Oh is the voice of the stepmom coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, a uh, Hamilton alum. Yeah. Uh, hold on. So a Broadway performer. Uh, is Ruthie and Miles, and she's the the mom who passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you got Ken Jeong as Gobi, uh, uh, Robert G. Chu as Chin, and Kathy Ang as Fei Fei. Uh, fairly new uh, to the scene as voice actors, and then Philippa Su, who, if you all watch Hamilton on Disney Plus, is Eliza Hamilton uh, in that production, plays the goddess Chang Yi. Uh, all the all the singing in this was phenomenal, yeah. like truly really exceptional. Uh, not like musicals don't have good music, but um, every performer like really brought it. Like especially like the kids, the kids were good. We watched that trailer. We watched that trailer and had no idea this was a musical. And I, can't, I can't yeah. believe how little that trailer told us and still sold me. Yeah, uh, because you don't see anything from the moon stuff except like a glimpse at the very end of that trailer. Mm-hmm. So real quickly, I didn't tell you guys this before the movie. Before you wanted to watch the movie, um, I don't really know why. But there was a second trailer release that shows a lot more of the moon stuff. And I did accidentally see that trailer. And I deliberately kept it off our breakdown every week so that we wouldn't, so that you guys wouldn't see that. Oh, that's um, They shouldn't have done that because that first trailer <laughs> was enough. Yeah. So like, I knew a lot of, I knew, I didn't know the plot, but I knew that it was a musical going into this. Um, the Flyaway I, song, the Flyaway song is, is, is so good. Brought a tear to my eye. 
Yeah, I didn't. I it, they pulled an up on us at the beginning. Didn't appreciate that. It's like look, ten minutes in. What's why? Come on, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, which story says there were so many people of color in this. Yeah, uh, and that is so amazing. And Ryan is right. The singing is gorgeous. Yes. Yes. Uh, all all the voice actors are uh, Chinese descendant, um, which is awesome. Yep. Uh, I Ken thought... Jong can sing apparently. Who yeah, Ken can sing yeah. apparently, uh, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just I really I didn't know where the movie was going to go necessarily, uh, and that that kept me on. Like the moment that we get to uh Yi and the moon goddess and she's just uh she's just appears from the curtain and starts a j-pop concert and i'm like you oh know God, i, I can't it. i don't know where this is going now essentially uh, she's moon lady gaga yeah uh the 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 um characters are a lot of there's a lot of fun humor in this for example there's a moment where uh fei fei uh falls on one of the moon creatures shatters it into a million pieces and those things all become and i was like oh my god she just murdered a dude nah they were they were totally cool about it yeah um i thought the animation was done really well with faces specifically i thought all the characters are extremely expressive whether they are the animal characters or the people Mm -hmm. um and maintain a lot of emotional display uh i thought they packed a lot of good stuff with uh the family environment in the first 20 minutes of the film thought it was very well used um, um what was the the bike sequence is really cool yes uh the bike sequence is oh the biker chicks the biker yeah, chicks yeah the biker chicks. uh really really good uh which historian just made a comment uh that i think is pretty good um with uh Yi being updated as a kind of pop star was an amazing take on faith and belief oh, uh, that i think a lot of people fall into that's amazing um yeah i agree 100 um yeah it was just really really gorgeous like uh she does a sweet transformation into like a ping pong outfit that's sick as hell and then there's a sick galactic ping pong battle with this with this little kid who's super ping pong wrapping battle back and forth uh it was just like this movie went places i i again because first of all the first trailer i already forgot what this movie is about because i see a trailer once and it's gone um so she turns into this ping pong champion and then starts doing a ping pong grapple, having a galactic battle. I'm just like, this movie's sick, you guys. Come on, this is why I watch animated movies. Look at this. This is what's going on. Bungie uh, has a has a, uh, a relationship with Jade the Rabbit. Oh, God, that um, was really cute. And, so and Bungie gets like murder ears. Murder <laughs> like ears, yeah. Um, I was super worried because it, like this isn't a DreamWorks movie, but like or even a Pixar movie, but like they have like sidekicks that are super like super comic relief and almost annoying at points. So when we, we met the frog and the rabbit, I was immediately like, okay, they're, they don't talk. They're very funny just by their expressions. Then we meet Gobi. And I was really, really worried that Ken Jong was going to like ruin this movie for me. And I'm happy to say that they rein him in and he's actually really sweet. And he has a really like really in, in impassioned speeches at times and really emotional. I'm like, they even made Ken Jong likable. Like, I love it. Good so- job. So, Gobi is one of the things that I'm not the biggest fan of in this movie. I, I, I get it, yeah. At first, at first, I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, even Chin, when Chin shows up with his with his with his frog and he's doing all all his shenanigans, I'm thinking, okay, he's gonna be the annoying younger brother. But um, as the movie went on, I went, I grew to really like Chin, especially when he says, "I want to see my sister." He does his no barriers thing and he punches through the wall at the That's end of the movie. I love that. But with Gobi. Um, up until he sings his song, I was I was like, 
as much as I love Ken Jong and I know how crazy Chen Gong, uh, Ken Jong can go, I was still like, this is a little annoying. Can we like speed this up? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Ben. Like once the song hit, I thought the song was really good. And then he seemed to kind of tone down a little bit. Yeah. Um, it just his introduction was like, oh, I, I, this kid, I know I've seen this movie before. I hope it doesn't go in a bad way. And it did, thankfully. Uh, real quickly, making a note of which historians things they're going back to the family emotion. Uh, they're saying was so amazing, very natural. Worry about differences occurring within family units. One hundred percent agree. Mentioning the laser ears, and uh, that was amazing because they just did not hide their emotions. Referring to the the siblings, uh, the the step siblings, as they will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. Uh, I think that the, this 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 is a movie that very much an anime film that wears its heart on its sleeves very, very blatantly. And I think very, very well. Yeah. Um, Dealing with grief and loss and like how different to deal with that. Yeah. I know from the get go what the point and message of the film is going to be by the end of it. But I like the way that it unfolds and is executed so much. Uh, I didn't feel like it was uh, typical. Yeah. 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 I agree that I go ahead. Now, one of the things that I, the biggest remark, the highest remark I can give for this film is how it talks about essentially death, a very morbid subject and the grieving process for losing a loved one. Because it's not just Feifei, it's also um, Cheng Yi who lost mm-hmm. her loved one. And she thinks she's on the very, because I was really, because I remember the first trailer where I think we get a glimpse of the moon goddess. And I thought, oh, that might be like the mom reincarnated or something. I don't know. But then when uh, Cheng Yi was like, where's my gift? How come? Go find the gift. And like, oh, is she the villain? Is she the bad guy? No. I will say um, there's a couple of times where I feel like the, the writing isn't as strong as it should be. Because for the most part, the film has very strong, strong writing. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the stepmom's introduction feels very rushed because it's like yeah. she's just she just met her. Uh, as like the girlfriend of the dad, and then uh, then there's like, oh yeah, we're getting married. Like it, it goes it goes from zero to fifty so fast there. That so, uh, and real quick, let's just say my other one is that um, Chunga's uh, reaction to like get me the gift, I think, is also uh, really fast with a little explanation to uh, to the audience there. So I, I do want to address the marriage thing because the parents never say they're getting married. It does appear as just the family's trying to bridge and him trying to introduce her to his daughter. It's the little boy who says they're getting married, which doesn't mean it's true. It means mm-hmm. that in his mind, that's what's inevitably going to happen. Uh, that doesn't mean that that is what, but it, it's the fear of that that's on the table. And that's what matters to Feifei is that the fear of that happening is what's on what matters. But I don't believe that, uh, I don't believe the dad is being so irresponsible as to say, yes, we are getting married right now. And, and here's your first time meeting her without me saying so. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that uh, that read exists because neither the parents say that marriage is, is on the table at that moment. One thing that I kind of, that I feel like the, cause I, I get that, um, uh, when uh, when a loved one dies and then a parent and then one parent raises uh, is raising their kid by their own, eventually they want to find love again and they do, which is awesome, good for them. But one thing I really wish that there was a scene in the movie was um, Baba and uh, Feife having a heart to heart, like saying, "Look, I get that you're not a, a big fan of this. I understand you I, you miss your mom. I miss your mom so much. Like the only bit we get is when he says that um, Feife laughs just like her mom." I would have loved like a more heart to heart moment of like maybe like right when they get back 
or maybe right oh sometime after she spills the um the food on the table mm-hmm. i wish that could have happened but then that maybe could have drive fate because i mean i like fate fate's motivation but maybe that could have drive her more is like hey if um my dad um had my mom back or something or he remembers the love of my mom she maybe he won't get married maybe he won't stop seeing her mm-hmm. so i feel um, like if we had like a heart to heart with the with the with father and daughter that would have been that would have made it a whole lot better uh also i just want to say uh that girl needs to be hired by nasa like right now she built a she built a maglev on her own and a rocket ship um Damn. So I, I do want to, uh, which is throwing throwing out a lot. So I do want to acknowledge, like, uh, uh, for Brandon's real quick, um, uh, being right uh, uh, about, like, yes, I do think that the dad handles it poorly in just an introduction. I was merely pushing back on, like, a, the marriage concept I don't think is actually on, uh, real in what's happening in the moment. But I do think, yes, he handles the introduction poorly. Um, I, I think a lot of... Uh, parents can potentially do that in in those kind of situations. Um, I I think that this allows for that fallibility where that comes in. It's also playing a lot into Feifei's perception. Uh, speaking now to Ben's point about um, what he was just saying with uh, uh, wanting that heart-to-heart moment, he attempts it earlier in the film, and she shuts him out uh, when he's uh, talking about loneliness. And she shuts it, that conversation down, mm-hmm. making it clear she doesn't want to have him express that idea. So she's not being welcoming of his emotions, and he's he is uh, uncomfortable with how to share and express that idea with his daughter, which I think is a fair representation. I know what you're talking about, Ben, but mm-hmm. uh, what I appreciate about the movie is that this felt more natural. This felt more true. Uh you don't always get that kind of like, I'm going to be open 100% emotionally about where I'm at with my daughter, who I'm concerned about being, uh, you know, un- uncharacteristically uncomfortable with this relationship kind of thing. As someone who's one of my parents has been married five times, guys, let me tell you, you don't always know when they're dating somebody new. Sometimes you just find out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I know how that so, feels. So I know what you're talking about, but I, I think that the movie did more to its credit of not going the route of needing to uh, have the father and daughter directly express those emotions, at least in the earlier part of the film. That would have felt uh, typical to me. Because I, I think that would have felt like, uh, you know, directly telling us something, whereas like that's that's usually not how family relationships work. It's not how the, our dynamics as people usually work dealing with those kind of emotions. Uh, and then what which historian was bringing up with uh, about her feeling like she was the villain, which uh, uh, which historian is bringing up as a good point. Um, women who experience loss typically are shown as villains in films. I, I would argue that I, I never felt 100% like she went into the villain category. I felt like she became antagonist. And uh, even then I didn't see her as bad guy yet yeah um, i don't i don't think she's a bad guy but i get how it felt like that when it's initially starting you kind of get that pit where you're like no she's gonna be the bad person and i was like no she's the she's the distressed at the she's, uh, edge of her rope person. her and feifei are yeah. the same right like and they, i think this on a different cosmic level and like that's how she learns that like this goddess is like oh also it's very human yeah and i think they mm-hmm. they tie that up emotionally very well by the third act mm-hmm. um yeah. uh yeah in the room of uh, what was it called? The room of perpetual sadness. Oh my god! Yeah, it's my it's my bedroom. Like, well, that's actually one of my favorite scenes. Is because she is uh, um, Zhang Yi, or uh, Chang'e. Chang'e. 
They say it like 50 times in the movie. I know they say it 50 times in the movie, but it's still hard for me to pronounce, okay? Give me a break. God. In, in Ben's defense, I said it wrong earlier, so he's going off my pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Um, That's just from now on. Ethic. If I'm so the which, histori- which historian says I can curse Sparks even even being honest or trying to be uh, can be hard with younger individuals because it's hard to be vulnerable in that regard. Indeed. <laughs> and yes, uh, for those of you watching the stream, the the chat is a couple seconds behind us. Uh, so yeah, so, patience. Uh, we'll get where, to you. Where was I going with the uh, pit? You were talking about uh, her moon god. Yeah. Um. How the room. The- yeah, the room of perpetual sadness where um, Fei-Fei is able to get in because she has experience and still is holding on to that sadness. And I love how the moon goddess sees that, oh, you lost your mom too. You lost someone you loved. And essentially both of them come together and essentially beat the darkness. What yeah. I actually really like, is like, it's going back to my point of how I give this movie higher marks, is how this film deals with losing the parent, a parent or a loved one in a much more... I don't want to, I want to say realistic, but it's not realistic, but in a better way than other films where a parent is lost in the first act. Cough, Disney, cough. Yeah. And, they're, and they're, they're, they're driving force, but it doesn't really do much about it. It's like, oh, they're gone. I've gone over my sadness, and now I'm going to do other stuff now. Disney tends to start their movie after the parent has passed rather than when the parent passes. Um, so I think it's a little unfair to throw them under the bus in that regard, but I do agree with you yeah. that it is... It is far more um, is far more realistically handled mm-hmm. rather than realism being in the movie. It is realistically yeah. handled in this film than like uh, any other animated film that would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's like a there's, is it a stork at the end? I don't know animals. The, the animal uh, that's crane. That's crane. crane. Mm-hmm. Like that might it's like it might be it's like the mom's like it might be the mom might be like you know connection to the mom like oh what's up she flies away touches her hair like. Ooh. I think that was cute. The the smile at the end with the eye. I, I interpreted it as though it was the mom. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was the moon goddess. But it could be the mom. It's not explicitly stated, so it could be really oh, oh. Either way. Like that, that's the place where like they would all kneel like when the mom was sick on the blanket and stuff. So I mm-hmm. thought that would make sense. Mm-hmm. And the crane was also there earlier in the film when Bungie Smart. led her out. Yeah. <laughs> Bungie. MVP. Bungie's MVP. so cute. Like, again, like, didn't say a single word, just emoted perfectly so bungie cute good job you and jade rabbit uh bungie is the mvp and the frog can just chill that frog could have been funnier i'm just saying that yeah. frog also couldn't have didn't have to be in the movie it didn't it wasn't yeah like we had bungie sorry frog and like the the frog the frog shows up in the beginning and then does disappear towards the uh after the ping pong tournament it's just kind of it's just sitting there just and then um, <laughs> yeah so i kind of feel like maybe you didn't need the frog you don't need both to have an- cute animal sidekicks but uh it's fine the only time the frog was really front and center was the time it was introduced and in af- at the end of the movie when after the parents get mar- married and she's like hey you better get that frog off the chair or else he's gonna become Fei-Fei's next science experiment so while, while the frog didn't need to be there i also don't think the frog ever hurt the film by being present either which is in itself a feat that they didn't feel like they had to overplay the frog to compete with bungee true um bungee yeah. staying on the moon is kind of sad uh but he got a family now uh, oh, family the the my only like real gripes with it are that i don't feel like the arc of Gobi is uh done well enough yeah uh in relation to his exile he's the big um, mom i don't think it's expressed enough directly uh with why 
that happened and uh, kind of comes around to a better end for it. Nor do I think that uh, Chang'e, uh, her arc uh, is 100% like brought to its point of uh, the, the part where Gobi refers to she did used to be kind, she did used to be all these things. I'm like, I, I feel like we could have talked more about or, or sh- not necessarily talk more about, but like express more of the turn in Chang'e's character um, because while she again like she doesn't feel like she's necessarily a cruel being to me uh when we encounter her she feels like she's driven by what she wants at that moment yeah. but she's not cruel yeah um, but th- so there's something in there with Gobi's exile that I I don't feel like entirely connects to Chang'e as she's portrayed throughout the film so I'm, I'm glad that the moon goddess wasn't the villain and she forms this relationship with uh Fefe. And I do really, uh, Ryan. I do love the ping pong rap battle. I thought that was. I thought that was fun. It was almost like like a Sailor Moon transformation. I'm just like, sweet. I'm like, whoa, this is great. I'm I'm a sucker for Sailor Moon transformations. That's not that I'm not. I do not hide that fact. <laughs> uh, but one. Th- oh God, I had a point. Damn, I lost it. Oh no, ping pong. You love it. No, no, it was ping pong. But it was, it was about the Moon Goddess and uh, when she was. One of the things that bothered me was the vagueness. Uh, get the gift. It's like, what gift? What are you talking about? And it's, it's like part of her necklace, right? I like, mean, I, I, I know I, it's part of that. I should have saw that. I should have saw that because there are other parts of the movie where I kind of did see coming from a mile away. Um, like when um, when she tells all the Lunarians, she's like, "Hey, go find my gift," and everyone's rushing. And she finds the biker chicks, and I'm like, "Oh, they're gonna betray her." Yeah. Like, hey, she finds the doll. That's not the gift, but it's gonna lead her to the gift. And then it's like, "Oh, look, they betrayed her." And then, yeah, here's, a good, here's a good question actually that you bring up uh, she finds the gift in a moon pie given to her by her stepmom by her future stepmom yeah, yeah. that she didn't want to eat there is there is a little hint in the beginning where she says that i was uh i was a um descendant. Uh, they say i'm a descendant of uh hi um, hoi uh thank you and um i would have liked to have seen that a little bit more clearly established towards the end of the film because like did did the stepmom know that she was going to go to the moon? So she specifically like, baked a, a moon pie that could kill someone. <laughs> and if she didn't, then she's an incredibly irresponsible cook. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, they say that Chin probably put it in there as a joke. Oh, yeah. Not, well, not only that. Did they I, say that? Because I, I don't remember that. That uh, Fefe says it because she bites into the moon cake and she's like, "What the heck is this?" And also, one thing that I was like, she put it in the drawer and she never picked it out. That thing's old. <laughs> yeah, and it took her months and months to, or I, or okay, maybe not months, but it took a, a substantial amount of time for her to build the ship and her testing it. Which she I made knew. a maglev track. I, yeah. I love the the tra- the montage with yeah, the, her rocket ship and her um and her and her like figuring it out and everything. Um, what did I say exactly, Brandon? But it's such a small throw about, at that point. What we're talking about right now. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, but you never see her pack the tin because when she puts it in that drawer, I thought, oh, she's never gonna, she's never gonna want it. Uh, maybe her stepbrother, maybe Chin, which step- is always says her stepbrother brought it. I think, I you know, I think the fact that we don't have like concrete answers yeah. does just go to that point of like it's not entirely clear how or why that mo- that thing ended up in the moon pie. Um, it, it doesn't like the frog, like Spark said about the frog. It doesn't hurt the movie. It is just like if I were to come up with a gripe, that is one thing that I that I kind of questioned going coming out of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have anything more, honestly. I think I liked it a lot. I thought it was gorgeous. Yeah. Definitely one of the most visually uh, 
impressive movies I saw this year. Very, very pretty to look at. Do you want to rate it? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll give it an 8.5. I like it a lot. Sparks? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that the animation alone makes this film incredible. I think um, the other thing I would say about the music is that there are a couple of songs where I feel like uh, they're, they're sung well, but they're... Um, melodies are like they're not breaking the mold or anything they're just like uh, yeah it's a song but it, in the context of watching the film they're not like something i'd listen to on its own yeah um but then there are, are others in this where i would uh so overall i think i thought i think the music works pretty well um for the movie uh the animation's beautiful uh i think that emotionally the film hits all the right notes um i think they do a really good job of of maintaining an idea of realism in the sense of how people uh encounter grief how they deal emotionally um with loss and uh and what the point of the movie is going to be about so it, the the emotions of that all land when they come to their fruition and that really worked for me um i give it a nine i do like this movie um i do like this movie it's just that it didn't really resonate a whole lot with me i mean i will agree with uh um, sparks and ryan and of course brandon the animation is gorgeous this mu- this film is beautiful. The the colors, it's just so vibrant. Yeah, it does look like a rave, and I dig it. And I will listen to uh, the Moon Goddess intro song. I really dug that song. I liked it a lot. I'll probably listen to it again in the near future. I'll watch that uh that that like uh that J pop K pop scene again on YouTube every once in a while. That's a it's a fun scene. I have no shame, I'll rewatch it. That's a damn good scene. But the other songs they didn't really resonate. They did. They weren't like heart bangers. I'm like, oh hell yeah, um, they were good, but they just weren't like. They just didn't like hit that note for me. It's still a good movie. I still really really enjoy it, and I give it a seven point five. It's still good. I still like it. It's just not, it's not up there for me. Uh, I think before Brandon goes, I think something we can all agree is that just it's really unfortunate this film is not getting the attention I think it deserves uh, because it is another Netflix release and it's just being treated as another Netflix release. And I'm like, this is this movie deserves much more attention. This is a high quality animated film. Two weeks also, in a row. Also, one but huge ass plus for this all Asian cast. Hell yeah. Uh, this film uh, is being treated as another Netflix film and when in fact it is a cut above a lot of the Netflix original films. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I I'd probably give it an eight, 8.5. I'd probably be turned there. So uh, I looked it up and the, the lady who wrote this wrote many other movies, but most importantly, she wrote 1997's Georgia, the jungle. Yeah. Uh, uh, one other thought that I did have that I wanted to bring up is my absolute favorite transition into a song in this movie is when she's in the classroom and the paper drifts down and then she just starts like walking and slowly starting to sing and all the students are like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> the teacher's at the board going, why are you singing in my classroom? Yeah, and then she's just in her bedroom and I'm like, oh, I thought we were going to do a little more with like the kids all just being like, what's happening? <laughs> why is she singing um, randomly? <laughs> all right, real quickly, which historian says, um, well, I also think that it shows that grief never really ends uh, is a great thing to showcase. Yes. Okay, so... Welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Shop. Yeah, hi. Um, Do you have any books? Can you be more specific? Um, anything readable? Now let's get into our book club sparks. Go ahead. Hey guys, I did Meteor Men. Meteor Men is put out by uh, Oni Press. It's written by Jeff Parker and illustrated by Sandy Gerald. 
Um, and it's just a nice little bite-sized original piece of comic literature. Uh, what do you all think this, of this nice little this thing? This felt like a like a nice little like 21st century ET. Yeah. Like it was it uh I liked it. I didn't love it, but I thought it was I thought it was a really nice, enjoyable, quick read. Um like this would be like a nice like low budget movie, I think. Like mm-hmm. um I think the character works pretty fun. I really like the design of the aliens and like just everything about the aliens I was really, really intrigued with the whole way through. Um I think it's not like generic, just nothing ever really kind of like goes like the ooh, except for the ending. I think the ending is really bold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the ending is definitely a really it, it the ending is the standout for me because I I I enjoyed it. I actually really liked reading it. I was like engaged the whole time i was like i really want to know i would get to end of a part or i guess a chapter in this case i'd be like i need to know what happens next uh what's going on with alden what's going on with everyone else and it it kept me engaged and i enjoyed it but damn i was not expecting that ending and i loved it uh yeah i also enjoyed it i didn't love it i liked it but um one of the things that i actually disagree with ben right off the bat is that i didn't actually find it that engaging i didn't end a chapter and say oh i gotta know what happens next um the final chapter is probably the strongest only because of how bold it gets. Um, but it is a five chapter thing. So I still have to say like, I liked it. Um, I just kind of wish it was a uh, bolder throughout something that did keep me engaged throughout. Yeah, I can, I can respect that. I, I think over like, this is nothing uh, is super impressive uh, by any means. I, you know, it's just a, it's not bad. It's it's good though. Um, it's, it's a good, nice yeah. little fun piece. Uh, it, it doesn't break a lot of molds in, in any way. Um, but I do echo what Ryan was saying. I think the alien uh, design, the idea of them, is really strong. I do agree. I, I felt like very strong. Like oh, this is an independent alien film. Hard. The, the uh, stuff with Winston. The, when, when you realize, Wilton? Wh- wh- is it what Wilton? Wilton. Sorry, Wilton. When you when you find out that Wilton is like the alien. That that's mm-hmm. where I was like, holy shit. Uh, one of my favorite panel pieces is the part where uh uh alden is dreaming and he sees the trees above him with the stars and then there's a big hand and then there's a big wilton's face up above the trees and i'm like yo what and that doesn't uh, doesn't make sense until much later right and so the whole time i'm kind of what what did keep me personally engaged is the whole time i'm going okay so where's wilton because Wilton's disappearance obviously is a major yeah. part. And it, not, it didn't take me long to kind of go, he's connected to the alien somehow if he's yeah. not the alien himself. Yeah. Um, I just assumed they all got abducted. And then the head thing happened. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be. Yeah. I really like the way they visualize uh, him speaking too yes. loud into yes. his mind with giant words. Mm-hmm. Uh, like text that acclimating. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, in, this, in this panel. Uh, specifically the one where it's like, can you talk quieter in my head? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought that was really good. The, uh, the meteor hallucination of like explaining how they work. Um, and yeah. like all of, a lot of them died. And like the aliens, like it's just what they do. It's their nature. Like they're not evil. They're not symbiotic. It's just, like this is just how we live. We're not bad guys. No, I love that actually. Yeah. The way because normally when you get these stories of aliens, it's I mean ET being the exception, of course. It's either aliens are here to conquer and breed or just take over. Or just like suck, it's like the aliens from Independence Day. Suck up the natural resources, biggity bounce. Where Ooh. these aliens, where he's talking to the the military guy, I love when Alden's like on the, yeah, release. That's really cool. But one of my favorite parts is when Alden is at the end of the book, when he's talking to, he's like, shut up, military guy, You're ta- I'm talking. And he says, these aliens just want to live. Yeah. yeah. They don't have a plan. They don't have a mission. They just want to survive that's all they want to do and you're just going to kill us in the process 
that's horrifying. Yeah, I thought it was really good uh, horror uh, moment when uh, Alden sees the alien take it, the top of the head off and it's Wilton underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a very strong reveal. Um, I do think that like uh, it, it's it's true that the book kind of keeps a, a very like tame level for most of it. Uh, it it's not a, again like anything wildly new or, or anything like that but i think that the not everything the, has to be, but i though. think the character story of alden of alden this kid who feels like responsibility is very heavily on him who lost his parents to a drunk driver who feels very alone in a sense that is kind of trying to find his way back to connecting with humanity instead finds his way connecting to this mass uh communication of aliens and, and how that leads into the end uh where he makes that choice and i think the boldest part of the ending isn't just him putting on one of the aliens and becoming one of them, but it's also uh, the agent's absolute bafflement to it, where she, where the last line of the book is, wh- why? Yeah. Uh, as he's going up, and uh, you know, he says, "We are not alone." Um, but the 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 just like absolute confusion, total mis- like not being able to understand how this could happen, and unable to relate. Um, I thought was a very effective way to tell this arc for Alden. There's a there's a group of scientists that we meet, and then. Um, a couple of them get get left behind in the final mission and the oldest one gets to go with. And it's because she's the oldest one and the other ones are younger and they get to live a full life. And her whole thing is like, you know, meeting extraterrestrials, I've wanted that my whole life. If it's the last thing I do, then I have no regrets. This is perfect. I will die I happy. Feel, I have to, I like Alden because when I first met him and because when you're in that scene, you're in a, you're in a, uh, um, a farm setting, uh, I'm guessing middle America somewhere. And there's this kid on top of a truck. He's like, he's going to be like this simple farm boy, but, I love how sharp he is. Like yeah. when he's talking to that scientist lady that you said, Ryan, he straight up points out, like, you think we're going to, you think there's a possibility we're going to die and you volunteered, didn't you? She's like, yeah. You're smarter than you look, kid. Yeah. yeah. I love every time that people meet the aliens. Like it's never, it's never violent. It's just like, uh, are you hungry? <laughs> and then uh, the second, like when, when his uncle meets him, um, Alden's like, hey, can you go get him anything to eat? And the uncle's running away. Oh, uh, anything in particular? And I just think <laughs> it's just some really good, some subtle good comedy. Um, yeah. It, again, yeah, like it's, it, I feel bad. Like it, not everything has to be a 10 out of 10 big epic alien right, yeah. thing, right? So like it's, it's okay that this book is kind of quiet until the end, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a negative. Uh, I, I do think, I just, I, I think it's, it's, it's a nice little book. When I, when I, I think the reason why I was really engaged with the story was because I was I loved following Alden. I loved following how, like when he's at uh, Maya's 16th birthday party and that his friend pushes him into the pool and he gets out and he realizes, oh shit, my friend's hurt and he slips into a coma. Oh yeah, yeah and, the and he alien. sees the alien's face in the pool. Yeah, he yeah. sees the alien's face in the pool, oh, and then as he's going through, he's like trying to contact. He's trying to talk. He's he's also trying to figure out, but he's not. Um, he doesn't. He just wants to know what's going on. He's he's curious, whereas you see um, Uncle Philip's friend Michael, the astro- the astro- astronomy guy at the university. He just wants his hands on the damn meteorite, and all is yeah. like, "Chill, dude." Right. I like yeah. I like uh, uh, those, the two adults back and forth about the rock, and all is just like, "Okay, whatever, man." Uh, yeah. I like. 
I think the art is really, really unique. Yeah. Um, it mm -hmm. works for me on a lot of levels for this kind of story. Um, like we talked about with the alien design, I think is really cool. When you see them showing the brief pictures of the aliens attaching themselves to non-human beings and yeah. how that oh, like I thought was horse? really like, like a horse and stuff. And I thought that was really uh, interesting to see and uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I think the only part where the book really bogs down for me at all is, uh, is just a bit before then and a little bit after where we're a little too deep into the science military jargon where I'm like, no, I get the idea. We're doing the like, you know, we're afraid we don't know what they're going to do kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to sit in this conversation for that long. I care about what the characters are doing. And really, because of how this story is written, I just care about Alden. Yeah. Um, uh, I care about Wilton because we learned about Wilton uh, with the, the gas station flashbacks, that kind of thing. Um, and I care about uh, his uncle to an extent. But none of the other characters am I allowed. And I think it's fine. I, I don't really connect to them because I don't spend time with them. And that's okay. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's all right. But that does make the those moments kind of feel a little steep yeah i think um, i think alden and the alien stuff is is well worth the read yeah, yeah. um and uh i think it, that it's well visualized the way that the aliens uh interact with the military uh pieces how they come together there's one particular visual near the end where they are coming together oh. to prevent the force and their heads are merging to each other hell yeah uh they're pulling a magneto cool see. yeah all the missiles uh yeah i thought that was really well done um and some of them died too from the strain of it yeah, yeah. uh not even not even died like they don't die just the host the host died, and yeah. the aliens will just move on and then one of them is the one alden picks up when he chooses i'm going to be of this now of the hive. um i really like that the last page uh when alden is going up with the aliens you see uh the only time you see alden's parents they are in the sky above him it's uh wilton and his uncle and then his two friends, the, Maya, the girl he likes, and then uh, his parents. There's a conversation that he has with Wilton that almost kind of can kind of foreshadow him choosing to go with the hive mind. Right. And w it's basically like all of the memories are going to be preserved throughout history. So like, yes, uh, it's a, it, this is a fantastic page where yeah. uh, it's explaining that um, somewhere in another solar system, a thousand years from now, a person there is going to remember me shutting off a gas line for you uh, in a sense of joining them. You are becoming an immortal story. Mm -hmm. uh, That's which I thought phalanx from X-Men y'all, which I thought was a really cool story piece idea uh, for them to choose to do with these aliens and the way they work. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, I just think it's a, a well-realized uh, little alien encounter story. I, I think it's really nice. Again, like I get a lot of like it's an indie comic. I get a lot of indie movie alien vibes from it. Yeah. Um, so I liked it a lot. Brandon, you got anything else to add? No, I'm good. Checked out. Uh, I did not I, check out. I, I'm having uh, um, issues over here on my side. Gotcha. Oh. Uh, yeah, the only other thing I would say about it is that I think, and I just want to know if you guys got the interpretation as well, uh, and it's just an interesting little thing. The two teachers, uh, they're a couple, yeah? Uh, the two I, male teachers? I could read it that way. Yeah. yeah. I felt but, that way. But it's not very clearly stated, but I was like, I feel like that's the case. They're together so much, and they have such a strong relationship together. The, yeah. And the way I they think, interact with each other. Yeah, I read it as like, are they? I mean, if they are, cool. If they're not, oh, okay. But I was like, are they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's not that's not a, a main focus of the story no but it's at the same time it's just, it's one of those things where you're like hmm, i wonder you could read into it I, and be like yeah okay yeah. i definitely do feel like it is a homosexual relationship representation in here just very very subtle yeah um but yeah so uh, uh overall just like a, a good little book it was it was a, it was a good re it was a nice uh, a nice cozy read to read this morning mm -hmm. yeah uh, okay, so Ben, it's your turn next week. It is. Uh, do you know what you're going to do? Please don't be Immortal Hulk Volume 3. It's not going to be Immortal Hulk Volume 3. 
Okay. Well, as you guys know, I am in the middle of a move, so moving um, all my books are now packed away. However, there is this great little app called Webtoon, and there's another story on there that I fall in love with that I found on 9gag and just fell into called Melancholy. Mm. It's for free. If you have that, you can download the Webtoon app. You can read. You can read it. It's on free. It's for free. So I'm thinking we should do the first three chapters. That's about 90 pages, and it's really they they go by quick. So that will probably fill up a like it's like a manga essentially. Okay. Got it right here, baby. Cool. Yeah. Melancholia. Melancholia mm-hmm. or melancholy? Melancholy. Mel- not the Lars von Schura movie. No, no. Um, okay, so that so stay tuned for that. We also don't know uh what we're gonna be talking about as far as a topic uh goes. So stay tuned, we'll figure something out before before Sunday, of course. We always do. We always do. Always um do. real quickly, I'll just say a happy uh Happy birthday to Ben, real quick. Uh, uh, early happy birthday to Ben and I before this weekend because we're turning 30 this week. So. Well, I'm, you're turning 30 this coming Saturday. I'm turning 30 one week from today. And it's yeah. before midnight, so I can still say that. You know, just before you, you know, just uh, as you go into your week, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Um, I don't want that. Shut up. Okay. So we also have a, guys, if you're watching this live stream, uh, make sure to. Please make sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel. Uh, it really helps our engagement. Um, but you can also check out our other shows. Oh, sorry, just real quick, we kind of forgot to mention it, but Brandon and I both found out this week that a friend of ours, Luigi, uh, worked on uh, the score for his Dark Material season two with the composer. Uh, hold on, I have his name right here. You got um, it, uh, Lauren Balf. Um, and uh, that's really awesome, uh, Luigi. Yeah really talented he's been doing a lot of his own uh composing work for a, for the entire time i've known him that he's been creating things um so him getting to work on that score is incredible and so shout out to our friend luigi jansen for getting to do that well luigi you made it thank you for reminding me i totally forgot i wrote it down too um right so guys there's other channel there's other shows on this channel um i think our crimes of grindelwald episode is up it's still on this channel far on youtube on youtube I don't think no. on YouTube. I'm not so. sure. I'll take a look. You go ahead and keep talking. <laughs> well, either way, uh, which is storing our Crimes of Gindelwald episode. We, you know, we talked about that earlier. Treasure. You can find that on our feed, other audio or baby video. Who knows? Uh, I don't even know what the... What, what, I, I, I would, say, look, I would say look for audio. It's it's down there. Um, we also uh, just released our Mandalorian Season 2, Chapters 9 and 10. Those are up right now with the, the link in the description. But you can just find them on this on this channel. We got a lot of cool fake nerds watch. Basically, our after show... An episode airs. We do an episode talking about what just happened in that episode. We just finished Lovecraft Country. Uh, there's Swamp Thing. There's The Boys. There's The Umbrella Academy. There's uh, Watchmen. There's Game of Thrones. That's how the whole thing started. Um, so a lot of cool stuff there. We also have a, another show, Basement Arcade. Guys, you know what a Let's Play is? That's Basement Arcade. Play some video games. Play some do. video games. Let's hang on. Let's all do it. Let's all do it. Let's all do it. Here we go. Sparks, what, what are you, you doing? Come on, Sparks. There you go. Playing a video game. <laughs> Right, so um, you can check out those basement arcades. I had a lot of a lot of cool, spooky stuff in in, in October. Uh, the Animal Crossing video is in the description below. You can also find it on the channel, of course. Um, got Dead Space, got Dead by Daylight, you got Left for Dead, lots of deads, lots of oh, deads. The deads. They're all dead, guys. Um, we're we're already dead, as Zack Snyder would say. It's true. <laughs> we also have our fake nerd book club, our freshman show, our newest show, kind of the show that we do whenever we can. Uh, we just recorded our final episode of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic book series written by Kyle Higgins. Just be clear, we just read Kyle Higginson's run, H- Higgins' run and not going forward beyond that. We picked a new book. 
slight correction, in the episode, we do say it's Immortal Hulk. However, uh, after talking with Ben at the show, uh, it is, what is it, Ben? It is another webcomic, funny enough. Bye, Mag. Good, bye, Mag. Oh, have good night, Mag. Have a good night, bud. Um, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, it is another webcomic. It is a Pokemon parody uh, strip called Little Char and the Gang. It's really cute and it's adorable. Uh, so, our Crimes of Grindelwald review is not on our YouTube channel. It's only on our audio feed. All right. Shuffle through that audio feed. Um, <laughs> we also have masks, guys. Hey, uh, part of the reason why I'm not excited for my birthday is because nobody wore their masks and we uh, all got stuck indoors for eight months. Um, so, hey, we got crafted by Z Masks that have got our Fickner podcast logo. The logo behind us right now. That logo is on a mask. Guys, don't you want to support your 15th favorite podcast? Um, it's can, getting lower every week. <laughs> you can uh, buy those uh, buy, uh, buy those at the links in the description below. Um, we also have Patreon and a Public. If you want to support us that way. Public got a lot of cool shirts. Fakner Book Club, Fakner Podcast, Bread and Butter, Basement Arcade. Coming soon, some more stuff. Uh, don't, be I, I, don't be a dick, of course. Um, so you can all check those out, buy those, support us there. I also have masks attached to those too, so you can buy those masks too. You want a mask that just says don't be a dick on the face? Do that. Well, that has a different connotation. <laughs> um, <laughs> you also have, a, we also have a Patreon, one tier on Patreon where you get a lot of cool stuff on there. We don't believe in, we don't believe in, in paid content, honestly, um, but if you want to support us uh, through this time, through any time, uh, we, we do try to make it worth your while. Thank you, Joey's on for supporting us still. Um, or you can find all those links on our, on our, on our, on our what's it called? It's what we call the website on our website. Or you can find us on www.fakenerpodcast.com uh, or all the links in the description below. Find them there, whatever you want. All right. Thank you, Jeremy Bellucci. Uh, he does our theme song that you heard on this live stream. He did our, our intro music that you're going to hear on the audio after this. Um, you know, you definitely... Uh, check out some of his stuff at Jeremy Village Keyboards, or you can check out his podcast, Suburban Proctologist Official. Uh, notice what's coming. Uh, you can find that on iTunes, facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official, or on Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Mike Matola, hey, I don't mean to spoil it, but we may have something cool coming from Mike Matola soon. I took a day off of work, baby. We better be happening. Just uh, <laughs> throwing that out there. That might be coming. Uh, but Mike Matola, if you don't know who that is, dude's awesome. Check out that logo in the corner. That's his. Yeah, he drew that. He gave also, to us. Also, our Fickner cool. Book Club logo and our Fickner and our Miscellaneous logo, which is a show that's still happening, I guess. Um, it's there. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast. Fickner, at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ben? You can find me on the internet at BenMagnet27 on Instagram and Twitter. And also, I write for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. I'm moving. I haven't written anything yet. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> Sparks. Uh, you can find me still celebrating democracy here at Sparks Witty on Instagram, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. <laughs> Ryan, I'm sorry. Uh, you can find me uh, reserving a new space at the Four Seasons Landscaping at oh, DJ yeah. Tony Snark and a Twitch DJ Tony Snark 616. It's funny forever. You got him. You got him. <laughs> That Rudy. I still cannot believe I actually looked that up. It's but it's between a crematorium and an adult bookstore. Love it. How do you mess that up? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast. Rate and review wherever you get us. Uh, like this video, subscribe to the channel. Until next week, guys. Donald Trump, get the fuck out of here. 
Fluffy Figures.